0: Oh, Recorded live.
2: Hoaxbusters call. Join the discussion
1: by dialing seven two four treble four treble four. Call ID nine zero three three seven.
3: everybody how you doing what's going on it's chris here it's monday it's august the 29th it's 2016 and uh let's see who's on the chat right now going over to the chat going over to the chat uh adam miller's here cool lost reality radio cool papa cat cool nature never lies all right richard benedict 73 right on Hi, girl, uh, absolutely shock master. The shock master is here. Yeah, I hope we don't have any trouble from the shock master. All right, Richard Benedict says, uh, "Evening, great intro. Thank you, Richard." Uh, yeah, I played a little bit of uh, a video I have on the site uh, at hoaxbusterscall.com. Yeah, it's really interesting to check out. Yeah, I got some interesting stuff to check out at hoaxvoucherscall.com. Put some posts up there. Try to put some posts up there every day. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Pretty good one. Uh, dot, dot, dot. And um, let me go over to the uh, notes. Well, forgot to fire that up. It's firing up now. But, yeah, uh, so I got a new uh, mic mic stand uh thingamabob here keep the mic up level with uh right here where I can talk into it I said before it was on the on the desk and it was uh, not not as uh yeah it was problematic but uh hopefully that will help with the uh with the audios i had some in the past that were were. If you know, if, if you don't keep your mouth up to the mic, then it, then it, it creates issues with it dropping out and all that. But, um, yeah, that's, it's, uh, seems to be working out really good so far. And, um, yeah, thanks to the, to the people who donated, uh, Joshua, Tresser, Andrew, Kay, and, uh, Pamela and, uh, that uh yeah i put that money toward equipments and uh yeah i appreciate that and uh yeah it helps out i can uh get stuff like this so i actually threw down on a decent one so that uh yeah i've had these mic stands in the past and well you know you get what you pay for so if you get the cheaper one they're kind of chancy and they kind of don't do the job and yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just good to have stuff that works. So, uh, thanks to the, through the donors that make that possible. Um, and with that, we could go into it because I got my notes open right now. Um, I to quote, I got several to choose from here, but this one, uh, that um Cucumber Lodge put into the chat. Let me turn this off so I don't get email notifications coming through on the audio. Come on. Get it together, Chris. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, not long ago, I saw Billy Graham join with Shecky Green, Red Buttons, Dion Warwick, Milton Burrell, and other theologians in a tribute to George Burns, who is celebrating himself for surviving 80 years in show business. The Reverend, Graham, the Reverend Graham exchanged one-liners with Burns about making preparations for eternity. Although the Bible makes no mention of it, the Reverend Graham assumed... The, uh, the Reverend Graham assured the audience that God loves those who make people laugh. It was an honest mistake. He merely mistook NBC for God. And that's uh, attributed to uh Neil Postman. And so, yeah, that's... um yeah, that's the thing about our, our, our media, our media, media drone, media drone, D R O M E drone, media drone. That's the word, right? Yeah. The, uh, all encompassing, all pervading, all knowing, all loving, all in, enshrouds everything around us as the media, the media drone, the media sphere and all the cast of characters that pop up on the scene. on a a regular basis and then you got your oh yeah your high profile reverends and isn't that interesting you know you got your high profile reverend reverends that represent usually you know they come out in these different functions and these different uh shows and 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 talk shows and they make the rounds and they make a presentation and well, there's several of out there. It has come to mind the Reverend, Reverend Je, Je, uh, Jesse Jackson and, um, they have uh Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren. He's on the Oprah and then, yeah, and then Billy Graham's kicked the bucket, you know, so did he? I don't know. Mandela effect. I don't know. Did he? Oh, yeah. I think he's, well, he's not. Yeah. He's, 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 he died, but, um, yeah, it's just interesting that, uh, they all kind of intermix and intermingle with the politicians, the, uh, people that are kind of same people that kind of always kind of get recarded out, recycled and, and repurposed. And then they, 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 some of them change and shift sometimes pretty much a lot of them stay on the same kind of general talking points, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, and here it is, uh, coming up on this, uh, 2016, uh, uh, presidential dog and pony show, absolute bull crap, reality television show, nonsense, um, so-called election, uh, absolutely 100% ridiculous. 100% ridiculous. 100% ridiculous. I, I, uh, I, 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 I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't even like talking about it. But for the sake of discussion, I bring stuff up time to time because it's uh it's a it's 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 a cultural thing. We talk about culture creators and uh how how significant they are into shaping people's attitudes and thoughts towards yeah, just about anything in culture you can think of I mean we we touched on music uh we do that at the afternoon commute, kind of flesh those connections out and and draw all the lines to the different people that are we had a real good afternoon commute that um because of technical issues had to be scrapped i mean we were having a heck of a time and holding it together with call drops and s- stuff on my end too. It was, it was, yeah, it but you no, know, hopefully we'll be able to, to do that audio this week and get it in a, get it in a, uh, coherent kind of, you know, where we're not having all those issues, but, um, yeah, drawing a lot more connections in the punk rock, uh, category of music and yeah, there's just some interesting stuff comes up, interesting connections. And then after some point you're thinking, Oh, well how many coincidences can there be? And then I, I draw the conclusion that, Oh, well, you know, if, if there's all these coincidences, it, it signifies a pattern and there's something at work, you know, behind the scenes, Oh, the hidden hand or whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, the, I mean, of course, I'm I'm insane for making anything out of that, right? Or anybody is, right? We're not supposed to uh, draw any kind of conclusions like that. Because then, then you're talking about conspiracy. And then that's, oh, well, automatically you're crazy. Uh, yeah, that's what they say. But anyway. So, yeah, I'll be looking for that. Anyway, um... Look at, uh, yeah, if you go over to com, got some posts, um, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. Let me scroll down because I don't want to, I don't want to bypass anything here. Yeah, I'll go all the way to the bottom. I talked about money on the last call. And, uh, it, it is such a broad sweeping expansive topic that you can't really, it's hard. Well, for me anyway, I know there's some brilliant geniuses out there that kind of can articulate this a lot better than I can. But anyway, I, I tried to, well, put out my thoughts on all all of these um uh stuff that that gets put out there in relation to the economy uh, like what like how how do you make heads how do you make any kind of sense out of it how do, how do you figure any of this stuff that we're told about how it works or you know different market forces and inflation and stuff and how, how all that how how does that even work and and how many people really know how all this works I don't, you know it, it's it's a, it's a yeah it's a complicated subject but anyway I, I I some to some degree I don't think it's that complex and um, and uh, not to some degree but in some respects it's not not that complex but. You check out this article I put up, which is from NPR.org, but it goes into, uh, well, the title of it is How Fake Money Saved Brazil, and I'm reading from this. It says, this is a story about how an economist and his buddies tricked people of Brazil into saving the country from rampant inflation. They had a crazy, unlikely plan, and it worked. 20 years ago, Brazilian Bra- Brazil's inflation rate hit 80% per month at that rate. If eggs cost $1 a day, and they cost $2 a month later. If it keeps up for a year, it'll cost $1,000 for, you know, a carton of eggs. In practice, this meant stores had to change their prices every day. The guy in the grocery store would walk the aisles putting new price stickers on the food. Shoppers would run ahead of ahead of them so they could buy their food at the previous day's price. problem went back in the 1950s when the government printed money to build a new capital capital in Brasilia uh, by the eight by the 1980s, the inflation pattern was in place. So they had runaway inflation, right? That's what we're told. Yeah, interesting thing. When you think about it, when you think about it, like, well, prices start going up and up and up. And, you know, I've noticed this, you know, throughout my lifetime. I'm almost 50, a few more years. And, uh yeah, prices aren't the same as they were. What I remember, young being younger. On the other hand, there are some things that remain pretty much constant. I mean, like air airline tickets. For some reason, I can recall. See, this was around the 1990s. I would fly fairly regularly because I was in the military. I'd fly out to Oklahoma to visit family. Uh, the ticket prices were around three to $400. You go to get a ticket today. You go to California, did it not too long ago. And it was like the tickets. I think the ticket was even cheaper than that. Um, th- which is interesting. Other stuff. Yeah. It's has gone up in price, but not, you know, we don't pay a thousand dollars for carton of eggs. It's not, we don't have that kind of inflation, but anyway one thing that I was going to go into when I was talking about this last time, and I was just going to touch on this real quick. I ain't going to spend a lot of time talking about this again, but uh, yeah, what happens when say for instance, we've seen the advent of uh, personal computers like within the last, because I remember this all coming about. That's how old I am. I remember like nobody had a personal computer. Very few people did. People had them as far back as the eighties. Uh, when I was in high school, I saw first personal computer, a friend of mine, I went over this house. I'm like, Hey, what's this, man? Uh, oh, it's a, it's a, it was a, a- Apple, one of those L- Apple, uh, whatever they call it. One of the first Apple computers w- or that came out for uh, personal use. And they, they were pretty expensive back then too. I, I think they're around three grand or something like that. And, and they're like, pathetic in what you could do today. I mean, smart, your smartphone has more computing power than that thing had. But I I remember I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. Um, but you know, okay. Computers like people didn't buy those. And I think the the reason why they had one in the house is like his, his dad was, uh, work, work from the house. And he did some kind of, uh, Something he was like a writer or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly, but it has something to do with his business. But anyway, um, nobody, the point is nobody had those, but see, so this enters into the economy, right? So all the, this, this personal computer thing. So everybody's got a laptop or, or they did. Now everybody's just kind of transitioning over smartphones for everything, it seems like. But that's another thing, smartphones. And this is new products that come into the economy and, like, so you have so much disposable income, right? And we're told, okay, inflation, too much money in circulation, so it it drives the prices of the eggs up. Well, if there's new products entering and competing for that disposable income... Then that's money that's being diverted towards these new products. And I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like what you know, what could you know fall into that category? The like, well, you know what I'm saying, new products, new. Okay, you buy a computer, and then there's software, and there's all this stuff that goes along with it, and it it runs into a lot of money. I I know because I I was pretty early adopter in computers because I work in graphic design and I bought a computer to do graphic design, and it was like wow, it, yeah, it never ends with expanding the, the software and all that accessories and everything goes with. Computers uh, with smartphones, same thing. You buy them, and then you got a phone bill too. You got bills, and then you okay, then you get the internet, and you got a bill for that. So that's <coughs> excuse me, that is new new products that are competing for you know your dollar, your disposable income, and you see what I mean in, in relation. If, if you if you're thinking about this, and you're thinking about inflation. Like, how does that affect that? But yeah, anyway. Um, so here's how they saved Brazil with, with, uh, fake money. And then it goes on to explain that they, they basically what they did is they, uh, made up a fictional currency. And, um, so it was a matter of sort of getting everyone to accept this invented unit. And, uh, so that once people got used to having money indexed to this, um, what they call it, the URV, the unit of real value. It says here it was virtual. It didn't exist. In fact, it did not exist. It was just a concept. And then no matter how the actual Brazilian currency fluctuated, it was indexed to this URV. And so that people started thinking instead of terms of of their regular uh, money, they thought in terms of this URV. And then... Once they realize that, oh, well, this stays stable. This doesn't fluctuate. It always, you know, what, it, what one URV bought, you know, several months ago, it still holds true. And I just think this is very interesting. Well, it's illustrative of the fact that money is a belief. It's a belief. That's all it is. It's, it's a belief in its ability to buy things. But, um, yeah, with that said, it's interesting. How, why does eggs keep going up? Because it's all based on supply and demand. Just because there's more money in circulation, and that's another thing, too. It's like, if there's more money into the economy, how does it end up going down into the hands of the average person if, unless there's a a a subsequent increase in wages because most people in in, you know in any economy any modern economy especially in this economy like you don't get a raise regularly now they do have they do have this this is is something within uh yeah different um You know, government jobs and uh, welfare programs and all that, they'll have the cost of living increase. I guess that's something to adjust for inflation. Uh, You know, if you work for a private company, they can give you periodic raises. I guess that kind of covers that. But um, that's the way that people on average get more money to spend. And then that's what would then drive prices up, right? But then if it's not offset by new products like I was just talking about, what what is that? What is that? Do? How does that factor in? But anyway. Um yeah, I think this this article here demonstrates quite well that it is a belief. Um yeah, I don't I that's one thing that kind of flummoxed me on I was looking at this stuff. It's like and well, actually thinking about it, it's like, yeah, how do how do the, how do eggs keep going? up? That's like there's no not people are putting more demand on eggs. It's like because you have more money that you buy more eggs because it's, it's, it's supply and demand. Right. So you can have more money in the system and you have more money in your pocket. But you're not buying more eggs. You only your family can only eat so much eggs. It's not people get like, oh, I got an extra hundred bucks this month. I want to buy an extra hundred dollar worth eggs, so they're like, like that movie Cool Hand Luke. Everybody's laying around stuffing fifty eggs in their gullet and laying around with big uh, egg bellies, laying around like cramming eggs down their throat because they got more money. They're going to buy more eggs, and so the demand goes up. So they just, oh, we're going to have to raise the price on eggs. We can't keep them in stock. You see what I'm saying? There's no increase in demand because there's more money. I, and I thought that it was supposed to be based on increased demand. So I'm just trying to make sense out of it. And I, and I, and it doesn't make sense, but um yeah. And this, the, this goes to show you that, Oh, we can, we can invent a new fiction and introduce people to it, get them trained on it. And then the money inflation goes away. I mean, that's, I don't know. I find this pretty fascinating. But uh oh, you can just take it for what it's worth. And I don't want to spend much more time on it because I'm not uh that conversant in this issue it, subject. But um I, I think uh that uh something to think about. Something to think about. It's interesting. Uh it's 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 all Hocus Pocus. So that's what, that's the conclusion I'm drawing. It's like all of this stuff. And then we're told all this stuff. And then the people like, will really kind of follow this stuff, you know, about the the, the economy and the market and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, it is all like some kind of rigged operation. Some, some kind of, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big, it's a big scam. It's all, it's all just some big, huge confidence scheme is what it, uh, I think that would be the best way to describe it. A confidence game. Um, cause yeah, that's how confidence games work. You get people's confidence in it and that's how it works. It doesn't work and people believe in it. That's what they did in Brazil, but yeah, moving on going up through the post here. Oh, we got dust boy and, uh, yeah, I tell you, last week I put Jay's excellent video. He's talking about dust boy and then. So it's obviously this staged imagery, you know, photography and footage of this child that was supposedly, allegedly in, in, you know, got the short end of the stick on some kind of a bombing raid or something. And then it's like, oh, we'll see this is this is ISIS and the Russians are to blame and, you know, or, or whatever, you know, they're the always constantly beating the war drums and we need to go to war with so-and-so just, you know, that's so they have this staged, um, rescue of this child. And then it's saturation coverage and look at it on, dot com. The lion put this on the, uh, blog and it's, yeah, it's just a, every single picture is of Dustboy. Uh, dust boy. And the drum beat for war and like, oh, it's like another thing about this, too. It's like acting as if this is like the first and only child that's ever been affected by a war. It, that's almost what you would think. It's like, oh, everybody, look at this and everybody, look how tragic and terrible this is, you know, which of it was real. Yeah, that's that's bad. But it's like. uh, it, It's just so incredible. It's just so. It just really illustrates well how just how fraudulent the media is. And uh, the next video in the post is Alex Jones uncovers Picklegate. And that's, this is a good one to watch to see how fake and phony the elections and the, and the back and forth and the nonsense and what level of absurdity it will reach. Now, this guy did some edit, some clever editing, and it's pretty hilarious. It's Todd Dracula, dude. And, uh, um, yeah, Greg sent me a, a video. I was going to maybe post up to where they're responding to it. Uh, it, it, it's just total political theater and it, and it reaches levels that are just beyond absurd. But, um, yeah, I think that, that, that shows just how idiotic all this stuff is. It's just absolutely nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Um, yeah. And then Alex Jones is going to tell you that, uh, Oh yeah. The elections are rigged. The voting machines are rigged. And he points all that stuff out and there's, you know, the, he always talks about the fake left, right dialectic. And then within the last several years and me and John were talking about this, he goes into, Um, a featured speaker at this, uh, magazine for broadcasters. And then after he goes on that, he kind of switches and goes into this like alt right, I guess you would say sort of position to where he's kind of goes over the line towards somebody like Glenn Beck or these right, this this right wing so called. "Quote unquote constitutionalist idea, but then like p- politics is real, like it's real, like something is going to actually be solved through this rigged, phony political process. Like there's going to be some progress made or something done by voting. I mean, get out of here, Jones. You're retarded, dude. You're ridiculous. But um, so he's going to knock Hillary Clinton. Like hey, if she can open open a pickle jar or not. Who cares?" Who cares? You know, it's like, what is she going to do anyway if she's president? She's not, she's going to do what she's always done. It's kind of, she's some kind of like a front. When she was um in the State Department, what did she do? That She followed orders is what she did. That's what they do. That's what presidents do. They're not, um, they're not um, really uh, in charge of the country. Give me a break and and, as I'm saying this i will put this at the end of the call, hopefully I don't forget but uh I was watching this movie called the title of it' it's, it's from uh seventies it's in like Flint it's like a sort of a spy slash comedy kind of thriller kind of movie it was, it's pretty funny the stuff that if you watch these movies too these stuff that deal, deals with spies and stuff like that yeah they'll, they'll throw out some stuff and it was an interesting comment that the main character Flint makes about uh, the president but I'll put that at the in, end of the uh, end of the call in the audio and uh, so yeah next to Paul uh, Paul at hoaxbusterscall.com com is uh, I got from uh, question our reality site. And that's a real good site to check out blog. And he puts a lot of interesting posts up there. And, uh, this is, uh, this guy, Neil Postman, and he's written some good books and, uh, he's kind of doing analysis of the, uh, television and how it relates to politics and all that. And he makes some really good points and he's talking about how, yeah, you'll be watching something on television. And it may be something serious, like for instance, the Holocaust, which I I don't believe happened. I don't, you know, six million Jews' gas. It's, it, it doesn't hold up the scrutiny. I'll just put it that way. And it's not, it, it, it didn't happen. The Jews weren't systematically gassing. Did I say the Jews? I meant the Germans weren't systematically gassing the Jews because they didn't, they weren't set up for that when you look into it. Say whatever you want. Say I'm anti sent. Semite or whatever, Jew basher or whatever. I don't, I don't care. If you look into it, it doesn't hold up scrutiny. And then they built like a smokestack at Auschwitz, like after the fact, well, after the fact, the damn thing's not even connected to the building. It's just dumb propaganda. It's just pure propaganda that, that has been worked up into like this huge thing with, um, yeah, I'll never forget the Holocaust and no, Damn, they never let you forget it. If you turn on, it, it, there's always, even to this day, people will be talking about just about anything. And then it's like, oh, the Nazis come up or somebody gets, somebody gets, um, compared to a Nazi or something. It's like, yeah, it's like, so Nazi equals evil equals bad. Not that they were good. I'm not making a case that Hitler was good or making a case that Nazis were good, but it's like, that's, the stuff about the Holocaust and all that is, is is horseshit. Give me a break. Um, yeah, I've posted stuff of that in the past. All oh, the the Auschwitz um soccer team they had some sports teams. They had a swimming pool. They shaved their heads. It's like Chris, that's what they do in concentration camps. Well, why do they do it? Look into that. Well, it's for lice. And that's why they had the piles of shoes is like, you don't wear your shoes. If you've ever been to jail, which I hope never happens to anybody that's listened to it, but if you go to jail, you don't wear your own shoes. You don't wear your own clothes. If you go to prison, I believe they even shave your head or it's common practice. In other words, it's, it's to deal with vermin and deal with lice, but if you're killing people, why do you even care? Well, the Nazis soldiers would get infected too, but yeah, that was the problem. So you don't give people haircuts if you're going to. You give' them haircuts, and you you're gonna and then you're gonna march them off to the gas chamber. What's the point? doesn't make sense, but um yeah, so you're talking about the Holocaust, and then Neil Post was talking about you'll break into a commercial about like some gas company, and it's like how surrealistic and how ridiculous that is, but yeah, he makes some really good points, so yeah, I could check that out, but um. Or, you know, anything. It, that's how, how ridiculous. I mean, if you just look at the news media on the surface and you're, and you're watching it and you're analyzing it, and then they're going to tell you about something horrendous happening, which a lot of times is just pure fake. But like there's flooding going on in, in Louisiana. That's, that's real. I'm convinced that's real. And then they'll go into a commercial about some trivial nonsense. Some, it, it, what's funny too, it's like even when you're watching videos online, they'll, they're, and it's something bad like that or something then then the, you'll see on the side there'll be like some i've noticed this, this is crazy they'll have like a like a commercial on the side some of these things that popped up or it'll pop up on the video like insurance yeah you better get insurance like i, I saw something it was like a, a tornado it, it was like hitting a house and it was like it was it was it was it was, it was like really intense video and then I noticed like the, the ad that popped up was for, like for insurance. I said, wow, that's like, but yeah, it's really surreal and ridiculous and crazy. The whole media. Um, yeah. And, uh, Kalito put together a list of songs that are featured on the afternoon commute. And that's really cool. You can check that out. Some, some tunes. Um, that's at hoaxwatchescall.com. And I made a link to that also on the side over here on the left hand side column at the sites of interest. And, uh, yeah, Tim Rocks Comics. He's got a new comic book. He looks like he's working on that. Now he's almost finished that and that's really cool. And yeah, check out his site and look at his comics and it's and uh he's he's going into some subject matter that's uh right in line with uh stuff we talk about here. And uh like he's a really good artist and he's he's really puts a like a humorous treatment on his stuff and it's like yeah, it's like super good. Really good. I recommend checking that out. Uh, So now we're at the uh, video that I played a snippet of it before I started the call. And I think I want to play a little bit of it right now. Uh, It is pretty mind-boggling. I'll just put it that way. It's the behavior of the police in Dallas. This guy's just asking some questions, but let me play some of it. Well,
0: my father was the assistant county supervisor of Riverside County. How you doing, homie? You guys are trying to keep me from talking to these officers. How are you doing, Shoemaker? Look at this. Look at this. Look at this blue line trying to, come in to keep me from talking to— How are you doing? You doing? Trip or Shoemaker, they're trying to keep you and I from having a conversation. I Yeah, look at you guys. I want some barbecue. Yeah. Hey, thanks, man. Where are you from? Where you from? Where am I from? Yeah. I'm from California. I just told well, you. We're out of California. From California. I'm, from
2: from California. I'm from Riverside. Nice. We're out of Riverside.
0: We're out of Riverside. Riverside. Well, Riverside, there's a lot of different areas in Riverside. Well, I'm from Harupa Hill. County, How's that?
2: Harupa? Are you yes. cold?
0: Yeah. Are you cold?
2: Yeah. Why would I be cold? Your chin's shaking. Yeah. I
0: don't know. Maybe you're cold. My chin's not shaking. Lips it was No, it's right not. Bad. No, no it's right? not. You guys... You're gonna try this whammy on me? It's not gonna work. You guys are it? all it's a going bunch going of liars. Look at yeah, look at this guy. That look at the, oh yeah yeah yeah. Look at this guy. Contractor Blackwater. <laughs> hey, hey, did you get that camera at Costco? Don't worry about where I got my I camera. Exactly where'd you get right? your Where'd you get your uniform? A costume uh, shop. From the citizens of the. Uh, costume you know, shop. Citizens the state of California. I got a camera just like, camera. like. Hey, look at this. Look at that. Look at this. Look at these guys. Look at all these agents. How you doing, pal? Good, How are you? you? fun with that camera? Yeah. Hey, you from California. Hey, how come there were no tears at any of the funerals? Hey, you get off my foot. Sorry about that. you standing You're on my 50, foot. you before in California? Officer Jay Brown of Is the Dallas Costa I'm Mesa, I'm Mesa Police. I'm just a bike walker. I'm just, just walking by. How yeah, you doing? great. I'm good. Doing good? I'm good. I'm good. I'm well. I'm good, good. Okay, look at all these so, lights. Hey, did you get that camera and costume you said? No, I got that camera from your mom. You Look, good. look at these so guys. Here's, here's, here's yeah, that one looks kind of rad. Hey, really? Wow. Yeah, it was. Don't worry good. about, Don't worry about it. Just just you
3: not dishonored, oh, touch discharge. Me. Don't
0: touch me. Get your camera out of you my sight. We're trying to talk to these propane people. and very, propane very good accessories. Good. How come you're causing right. a disturbance? Right. bunch I'm of wrong. liars? I'm to you we traveled a long way to come here and talk to these people. Yeah, look. It's going to be uploaded this evening. Everybody's right. going to see how the police act. I'm not the police act. I'm not a police act. I'm just a all right, Liz, excuse not, me. I'll turn around like this. I'm not touching you. Sir, could touch, you please not bump into me? Do not touch me. We're just, excuse me. Okay? We're uh, bump uh, to excuse me. me. Uh, you we're, we're looking at die. You need to you're back up a little bit, okay? You're kinda of getting a little out of control. I'm not getting out of control. Yeah, you, you can at all. do what you want to do, but you got to back up a little bit. You don't want to get out of control. You be bumping into you. Don't worry about it.
2: But you usually follow you on Instagram.
0: Don't worry about it. I'd love to name? I would love to call you. Don't worry about
2: it. So uh, okay,
0: there. then you can have these people get out of my face and I'll talk to you. Well, I don't want to talk to you. I'd like you okay. to, to go back Sir. to the other side of the street if you're going to cause a ruckus at the
3: crime scene. I'm not- okay, yeah. Cause a ruckus at the crime scene. Crime scene, huh? Yeah, that's what they say. It's a crime scene. Uh, What was the crime? Like staging a hoaxed event? That's the crime. Yeah, no tears at the funeral. Same stuff we've seen over and over on these events. Uh, That's the Dallas police. This guy is doing some videos, Dana W on YouTube, and he's going down there and he's asking questions. And so he's, well, you heard it there, what kind of the type of questions he was asking. Yeah, how come there are no tears at the funeral? What's this Blackwater dude standing here with the khakis and the black shirts? Of course, if you listened to this call in the past, we brought, we've talked about the the khaki pants dudes, Craft uh, International. That's that's an outfit that wears the the khaki pants and the and the black shirts. They're one of them. Now, I'm sure there's probably more than one. But what do they do? Well, they specialize in hyper realistic training. Uh, just so happens. And uh, I have a video on that subject at ho- com. There's a big red button on the side. It's like the play button. YouTube, it takes you straight to the YouTube channel. But you can check out that uh, video that's entitled uh, Warning Graphic Content. And then, uh, you know, it starts out with Eric Holder saying we need to brainwash people about guns. We need to do something every day, every day. And just brainwash people about guns. and And, and then, you know, that's Obama's attorney general and then Obama's the anti-gun president and then like wham, bam, booey, just one after the other with the shooting events and then uh, the Boston bomb and then the shooting and then another shooting in Orlando, Aurora, Sandy Hook, blah, 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 on and on, shoot, 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 everybody shooting up and the, shooting the place up and killing, you know, stacks of bodies, st- stacking up the ceiling, outrageous numbers of dead piled up. 20 dead, 50 dead at Orlando. Give me a friggin' break! Oh my gosh, like these people that are shooting up the place, they also have like just a real knack for it. For you know, they can just stack up the bodies, unheard of. You know, even outgunning you know kills per hour, like any soldier, any hero. I don't think they have any kind of record, like anything approaching like the kills kills per hour, like Omar Mateen, like 50 people in three hours or something like that. He was supposed to be. And then, you know, he's doing it and posting to Facebook and making 16 phone calls and making Facebook posts at the same time. So that, that dude was some kind of like beyond super soldier. He's kind of like at the, uh, level of, uh, like a killer cyborg, like in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, Terminator films. Like he, he's on that level. And I think he, you know, he's, yeah, he's posting to Facebook and he's making calls. He's got like a microchip in his brain. He's a robot. He's, he's a cyborg. He, he's, he's patched into the internet and everything else. Skynet and making phone calls and stuff there is Skynet. He's Terminator. So if you were to cut him open, you look at the shiny chrome exoskeleton underneath him. And I'm just, you know, being facetious here, but yeah, he just happens to be an actor. And then, um, so so i got that video up with the warning dot 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 graph content um question mark and uh so they're talking about uh craft internationals at San bernardino there's a dude calling that out in that video that i posted that i made and uh yeah the, the anti gun president obama his attorney general talking about how we need to have this these events all you know these we need to brainwash people about guns. And then Obama's talking about, yeah, this is somehow this has become routine. And then, um, so the, these individuals popping up the scene and here we got this at Dallas, you got the, the, the khakis and the black shirt. And he's, he looks like some kind of special forces type security type slash private contractor slash commando type dude kind of milling around there, standing around. What's up? This guy Dana's like, hey, what's going on? What's up, man? Like, what's what's your get up about? What's your deal? Where are you where are you from? What police department you're from? He's like, I can't answer that. I can't answer. I can't answer your questions. Member of the public. I don't owe you any answers. I'm just a commando dude standing here. Some kind of law enforcement. Kind of some somebody's hooked in with law enforcement. But he's standing behind the barricade, so he's in with them. And then. Yeah, they just swarm him with um, undercover cops or FBI or whatever it looks like. So they're just crawling all over downtown Dallas, and somebody goes around asking questions. They just just bomb rush you with uh, sticking cameras. These plain clothes goon squads down there too, and. Um, yeah, they got all that locked down, and they 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 got their ear to the ground there, and they're they're all kind of uptight. Looks like a little bit like kind of like a little bit uptight, but uh, at the same time, smug and secure. They know that they're not going to get any kind of trouble. State fake stage hoax. They just keep their mouth shut. Uh, they know it's fake stage. So why can't they answer some straightforward questions about? Okay, why wasn't you know, what What was the deal with the standoff? It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense what they're saying. The guy's just asking them those questions. And, I don't, and of course, they say, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. What do you mean? Police force? Oh, you mean? Oh, you mean like me? Oh, yeah, I'm a police. Oh, okay, is that what you're talking about? Otherwise, I don't know. There was a shooting here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're play totally dumb. Like they don't know nothing that's going on. And, and, um, yeah, that's what you get. That's what you get. But yeah, it was really, uh, insightful into, yeah, what the situation with this stuff. It's like, yeah, they circle the wagons and you start asking questions and they start circling the wagons, start acting like just absolute buffoons. And, um, but that seemed like that would have the opposite effect, which I, I do think that, like, like those people at that level, like the, those guys you were talking to those cops and those, like that guy in the khakis, he was probably the brightest one out of the bunch. I don't know where they get those dudes at, but they're probably a little bit more educated, a little bit more, uh, sophisticated people. Those, those, other those goons came up plain clothes, I don't know who they were, but they were pretty, pretty stupid. Um, the way they were acting, but it's like, they didn't play it off very good. But there it is on video and it's uploaded to YouTube and now it's climbing up the charts as far as views and we'll see how far it gets because they, they're going to suppress that, I'm sure, which happens on YouTube as this shit gets suppressed. But, yeah, anyway, um, is that how they act if it was a real thing and somebody's up asking questions like or maybe doesn't believe it? They'd say, oh, I assure you, it's real, sir. You know, it's like, I, you know, we know it's real and. Like, um, yeah, I'm not sure about all the particulars, but, um, yeah, the reason why that is, you know, it's, you know, it all makes sense, but no, it's like they get really uptight and then they don't want you asking any questions. And then they can't conversate with you, but they're all like, you know, you see, you see cops and you see if you have any, any, any interactions with them and you see like, you know, what's on there on YouTube and stuff like that. It's like they're all, they're all, all, uh, come across like, Oh, we we really want to talk to you. Like, what what are you doing here with this camera? Like, we, we want to you know ask you twenty questions, but then you know the tables are turning. They're coming up, you know, asking them questions. It's like, oh, we don't know anything. But um, yeah, there's a video I have posted up where I was going to the park and I and they had a meet and greet with the cops and I was just trying to ask them some questions about um this this gal that was killed in jail. And what they thought about that as being police, you know, like, you know, why are they, somebody's mentally ill, why do they throw them in jail? And why, why do they end up dead? You know, like what, what's going on? Is the police department doing anything about it? Are they changing policies or anything like that? And they're like, well, oh, they turn hostile on me too. But, um, yeah, it wasn't anything like that, but they were, they were, uh, yeah, was perturbed by it. They don't like to ask any questions about anything relevant now you go down there and talk football with them and yuck it up. And then they're more than happy to do that, but you know, ask them anything pertinent or like, Oh, well should things be done that way? Or it's like, no, we're not going to, we don't, we don't talk. We we don't talk. We don't know nothing. We're not going to say nothing. And, um, but, um, so that, that kind of goes into the idea of, well, how do they keep all this quiet? If you believe this is fake, how do they keep anybody from coming out and talking? It's like, well, look at that. Watch that video. Watch it. Watch how he gets swarmed and he gets, and then watch the reactions of the cops and watch what happens. And then, you know, another thing, too, they... Oh, how many cops left Dallas Police Force in the run-up to that? I don't know, 100 or so out of the police force. So it's like... uh yeah something's up there so they're just making them more manageable with the remainder of the cops it makes them more manageable so they can run this operation and keep a lid on it and nobody's going to talk they they like their jobs or anything and there's no benefit there's no reason to talk what are you going to what are you going to say uh it doesn't look right to me cuz not everybody's intimately in on the thing but they know that that deal was a sham they might know, know those cops, I'm sure. But, um, are they going to talk? No, they're not going to talk. They got, they signed non-disclosure agreements. So it's like they'll get in trouble. Um, and they'll lose their jobs. See, they don't want to lose their jobs. And then they don't want to be called crazy by everybody. Cause that's what happens when you kind of, Oh, you're crazy. Oh, you're a nutter. You're a crackpot. Oh, you don't believe that happened. Well, I was there. I was a cop. Well, prove it. Prove it. Well, who are you? It's like, uh, what people mean by that is like, oh well, how come a uh, high up official hasn't come up? Because that's the only one you're going to believe, right? You're only going to believe like the chief of police if he comes on and admits it was fake. Otherwise, anybody could say, "Oh, I was a cop, I was there," but it's like you're not going to believe you're not going to believe him, are you? you say, "Oh, well, well, that guy could have been crazy." Um. So yeah, what what's the incentive to come out and talk? There is none, zero, not in this system, no. And and is it? And here's another thing too. Uh, People think that they have this idea that, uh, well, you'll see this with Sandy Hook, you know, like, oh, we need an investigation in Sandy Hook, and then you'll see like Wolfgang Halberg. If anybody's not familiar with him, you can look him up. So he's this um, former law enforcement or something like that. He claims. And then he's had, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of claimed experience with, uh, school safety and stuff like that. So he's like this sort of a authority on this subject. And then he's going around trying to get to the bottom of Sandy Hook. But, um, what he's doing actually is the way I look at it is, is to prop up this fictional fantasy idea that anything like that would be something for the courts. Like, it'll go to court, and we'll have a hearing on it, and then, like, oh, this will all be exposed, and it'll all come out. It's like, <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Absolutely not going to happen. That's a total waste of time. Absolute waste of time. And uh I think, too, that, like, uh there, there could very well be an operation in order to discredit the whole idea. So that he can go in there and focus on certain things that are non issues. And then when, you know, they can, they could play, they could do this theater and back and forth. And then they can act like they're, you know, give people the impression idea that they're stonewalling. And then they'll come out with a plausible explanation for whatever the case is, you know, uh, and then that will give people who are, Resistant to the idea that that could have been fake, it'll give it something for them to latch on to to say, well, see, Wolfgang Halberg was discredited. But then on the other hand, Wolfgang Halberg brings up some good points. So, um, but see, that that's not the ones that they'll focus on when somebody's trying to discredit the idea or debunk the idea. They'll, they'll say, oh, well, see, that's been debunked. And then they go down the list of things that, uh, uh, Maybe Wolfgang Halberg was representing that don't really hold up scrutiny, and then they could shoot the whole thing down. That's what you're going to run into when you when you. And whether he's genuine or not, I don't know. I I don't I I don't think so. But then that's me, and I'm highly skeptical about these you know people that come out and and, and claim to be trying to uncover the truth, and what they're doing in reality is. To actually kind of set up a, a straw man that can be knocked down easily. So if somebody comes along, they're going to, they'll knock down the straw man that gets set up. And, uh, oh, like the kids that were at the Super Bowl were the same kids that were, their, their pictures were used as to be the dead kids. And then they sung at the Super Bowl. I, I don't really think so, man. I really don't. I really, really don't. I mean, I looked at that and I was like, you look at the kids and you look at who they claim that they are. Oh, these are the Sandy Hook dead kids and they're singing at the Super Bowl. And it's like, no, no. Well, they look like them, but that's not the same kids. And see how this stuff, you got to think a little bit into this stuff because it's, it's, it's pretty sophisticated as far as deception goes and how they pull, pull this over on people. It's like, Now, do the Sandy Hook choir kids at the Super Bowl, is it a coincidence that they look an awful lot like the pictures of the dead kids? That's all you see is pictures of the supposed dead kids, right? Is it a coincidence that they happen to look? No, it's not a coincidence. I'm not saying that at all. It was deliberately done that way. And then the uh, alternative conspiracy theory can be put out probably by the same people, the same Groups of people that perpetrated the hoax in the begin with, they put out the conspiracy theories too. And that's all, that's how this always works. I think JFK was a big one. They put out all the conspiracy stories surrounding it. Clouds the issue. It's like propping up a straw man. Straw man arguments like when you misrepresent the opposite side and then like you could reframe their argument and then you can like knock it down. It's like, it's just a man made out of straw. You can knock him down easily. That's how I remember what that means. And it's like, yeah, it's just that's, that's what's happening, all that stuff. So that's a good thing to keep in mind when we're looking at a lot of stuff that's out there. It's like, yeah, is this some sort of straw man that's being set up so that this whole idea can be discredited? And um, no, like the Sandy Hook kids, I mean, get off of that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know, like a lot of listeners out there might think that that's the case, but no, you really got to back off of that kind of stuff because I think it's it, it's it's bait. It's to suck you in, and then when you get into it, it's like, oh, that's for sure the Sandy Hook kids singing at the choir. It's like in your face. It's like, well, for one reason, why would they do that? That would be extremely bold. That's beyond, I think, what they, the kind of bold extremes they go to to put it in your face. And then you look at the kids and you do a comparison and it's like, I- I'm pretty good with faces and stuff. And that's like, I, I, you know, being an artist and being, studying art and doing all that. It's like, you, you kind of get familiar with features and the noses, ears and stuff like that, drawing all the time. And it's like identifying things like they're not the same kids, even though they look, they look a lot alike. I'm not saying they don't, but, um but then again, prove it, prove they're the same kids. You could have kids that look alike, but um, yeah, that's just a, it's a red herring, distraction, or straw man, or, or whatever that you want to call it, to divert you off into something that you can't prove. And then somebody could point out too, it makes you look like a crackpot. And then it can be easily demonstrated that that's not the case. But one one thing that's you know about it is not it's, it's a little harder to dismiss is like the um, Noah Posner being at the the Poshwar school shooting in uh i think in pakistan and uh his picture and they say oh well they used him as a in a show of solidarity with sandy hook It's like no well they gave him a a, a a pakistani name too it would make sense if it had no opposite name under the picture and then it's like yeah well maybe that's what they're doing with this his picture they're just trying to You know, associate that with Sandy Hook. See, we're with you, Sandy Hook, and we're we're showing those. No, and that's not the way it was presented either. It's like here's a kid that died in the school, and it's the exact same picture of the so-called Noah Posner at Sandy Hook. And uh, that that may be an example of some kind of uh, where I, I don't know why they would do that. That's an interesting thing. It's like why would you need to do that? you got to ask yourself that question too. That's, that's pretty suspicious, but definitely something's up. I'm not saying there's nothing up with that, but something's up. It's like, why would they do that? That's, that's, that's beyond, uh, just, just some kind of blunder or something. That's, that's some kind of, was that deliberate? Like why, you know, it's, it's, but yeah, you get a lot of stuff out there. I think maybe it was just, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why that would be the like. Why would they put Noah Pause in their in the in the Pashwar shooting? That's that's really peculiar. But yeah, there's yeah, so much stuff, Sandy. I mean the 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 testimony and the stuff with Sandy Hook. I mean, you, you start looking at it, it's like that is so obviously fake. You start putting all this stuff together, and that's what I talk about here. It's like what what evidence do you have to work off? Well, it's it's, it's basically circumstantial evidence, but. You, you know, you run into mountains of circumstantial evidence and you could convict anybody of any kind of crime if there's enough circumstantial evidence. But, yeah, same with this stuff. I mean, um, well, if it looks fake, which it definitely looks fake because the actors, they don't they don't cry. They don't shed tears. That's, you know, Robbie Parker laughing. If it looks fake, then, you know, hey, it's the media and it's the government. And can you trust the media and the government? No, they're probably pulling a fast one on you. It's pretty simple. You don't have to, do to go into facial comparisons and and say that David Wheeler was a, the FBI sniper, too. And I've seen those pictures, and I said, that sure as hell looks like David Wheeler. If you look at his earlobes, they're different, though. So they Photoshop earlobes in. So you get into this murky area where you can't prove it. And then he's got the exact same earlobes as the guy that is supposed to claim to be, which is an actual FBI sniper that just happens to look a lot like David Wheeler. Is another, is that another instance too, where there, where that was something that was put in there by the perpetrators to throw you off track? That's what I think. Uh, so I, I stay, I steer way clear of these facial comparisons and then, and then trying to say that, oh, this is the same actor that's doing here. Don't you have enough with David Wheeler himself? Having an actor reel, isn't that enough? And his wife having an actor reel and several other people they were involved in having actual actor reels where it's no doubt them in the reel that it's no doubt whatsoever that it's them. Is that not enough? You got to go and find them in the crowd somewhere where they're playing a different role. You have to do that. You don't have to do that. Like, why do you need to do that? You already got them as actors and, and, and they just so happen not to cry or shit there. They're not very good actors. And it's like, what, how much more do you need? And then the, and then the idea that they left all the kids in the school overnight, they left their dead bodies in there. I mean, that's fucking stupid. That's dumb. Like what, how much more evident? No light helicopters. No, they didn't rush them out of there, get them in stretchers, try to maybe see if there's, there's maybe clinging to life. No, none of that. They just declare them dead. The cops declare them dead. Not even empty. What do you need beyond that? That's a total fucking scam. Pull your head out of your ass. Damn. You you know, that's the thing with all this stuff. But yeah, you got all this stuff out there, too, that's just jamming up the works. Oh, the Sandy Hook kids sang at the Super Bowl. No, they didn't. Fuck that. Man. It's like, do you need all that? No. It's like, can you prove that? No. No. Do they look like the kids? Yeah, but does that? what does that tell you? What do you prove by that? Nothing. It's, it's taking you, diverting you off, and then with the attempt to make you look like you're crazy. But, you know, you could point out point out the drills. Oh, So there also happened to be a drill in the area, and there also happened to be a drill in the area at 7-7. There also happened to be a drill going on at uh, Aurora, and there also happened to be a drill going on at Boston Bombing. There also happened to be a drill going on at 9-11. It, it's, it, you know... Of the same scenarios, do you need much more than that? And it's like, yeah. and then you got the, the like the video I was referring to earlier with the 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 craft uh, international dudes on the scene. What do they happen to be involved in? The, the, the street strategic operations, Hollywood style special effects made real, made lo- made to look as real as possible, to, f- to make it as convincing as possible for training. Now, the training extends out to you and me. We're getting taken through this training, but we're, we're being told it's real. It's that simple. It's like you got all of that there. You got all of that to look at. And and, and, and there's, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, this is facial comparison stuff drives me crazy. Where you're, where you're trying to say, oh, they were an actor here and they were also an FBI. And they're also, it's like, no, come on. It's like, you, yeah, you don't need to to do all that. The guy had a helmet and sunglasses on, but his face look the same. It was like, yeah, it really looks similar. But if you really scrutinize it and it's like, no, it's not the same nose his earlobes. It's like it's not really the same guy. They have a strong resemblance. But the guy takes off a sunglasses helmet and this is the FBI dude that's known to be there that was filmed to be there. And it was that that was him. It's like, come on. Yeah. Question our reality is bringing up Dallas Goldbug. Yeah. He's good for laughs. Yeah. He may be good for laughs, but that's that. Yeah. I, I don't take any of that seriously whatsoever. Cause you can't prove any of that. Hillary Clinton is Shirley Jones from the effing partridge family. Give me a freaking break. I mean, come on. But, um, okay. I've been ranting and raving for an hour and almost 15 minutes. And it looks like we got a East Maryland, we got East Maryland calling in. And I'm gonna bring them on momentarily. And uh but first
0: We are bound to testify you as unmutual.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right. Busters
4: call. Join the discussion by dialing. 724-444-7444. Call ID
2: 90337. That's a direct order. Do it now.
3: Well, well, well. Yeah, I know I've went over this stuff before, but I think it's important, some important points to point out. Kind of like uh think this stuff through. Think about what can be proven, what's proven fact and what's not. Now, is it a proven fact that there were, were drills going on? Uh Can I prove it? No, I can't prove it, but I can go, you know, find the, the documentation from government sites that, you know, will confirm that. Now, does that really mean there was drill or I know exactly what went on? Cause no, I wasn't there. But it is a fact that there's drill and there's testimony of drills, you know, Boston bombing, there's guys that was put out on the media that was put out there. It was a drill and people going on there saying there was a drill. They were announcing on the thing like the explosion, like right before the explosion, like be calm. This is a drill. Saying over the loudspeaker, you can go pull that audio. That pull that up. But um, yeah. Oh, coincidentally happening to have a drill at the same time with uh, bagpipe bombers at at the just so happened, and then Craft International just so happened to be there, and they just so happened to specialize in hyper realistic war training. And then you look at the bomb that went off, and it just so happens to look identical to the bombs that they use in their training and you can go pull those up but that's on that video that i i did with warning graphic content and um just just if if you think all that's coincidence man forget it you know just just never mind don't look at any of this stuff don't 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 question anything the government or the media tells you ever again and then when you you know like we were talking about earlier it, it goes from that to a commercial and then they got like a a talking teddy bear selling you toilet paper B- believe that the teddy bear is is real like it's a real like teddy bears can talk and it's everything on tv is real everything the the, the bear yeah he, he talks I don't, I don't know where they found him but yeah it's, it's a real talking teddy bear you know p- giving you a, a pitch for toilet paper yeah no doubt real everything's real yeah, it's all real that's what throw it back at him like everything is fake people oh you think everything's fake oh you think everything on tv is real you think the the lucky charms leprechaun is as a real individual that uh, is real tony the tiger is real uh ronald mcdonald's a real person like he he really is dressed up like that all the time and then he's he's really ronald mcdonald and that's And then, like, you'll you'll see him. He lives in uh, maybe, like, um, uh, Burbank, California. And then he drives, you'll see him driving around. Ronald McDonald. Ronald McDonald. He's real. You think he's real? Everything on TV is real? Everything. Everything. It's all real. Um, yeah, you might as well believe that if you're going to believe all those things I just pointed out are coincidental. Coincidental. But yeah, I'll shut my mouth and I'll bring on a caller Enter from East Maryland. How you doing?
1: Well, yeah, as you say, to, to spend an inordinate amount of time dissecting the details of every one of these staged, scripted, media narratives, usually usually piggybacked on drills or exercises or simulations of one kind or another, uh, is like trying to, to assimilate the details of any given movie. Why would you, you know, commit it to permanent memory? Why would you bother? Most of them are lousy anyway, but these are movies. The same people who write Hollywood movie scripts are crafting the narratives, the media narratives that are piggybacked onto these drills. And increasingly, as you say, the participant, or as the the video that you played earlier indicates, the participants in these drills are these private contractors. Because these, these guys sounded like they, you know, if they were really Dallas cops, they would have said, if they were cops of any kind, they would have said, well, yeah, we're employed by, but no, you know, there, there's something else going on there. But, as, but here's what is real: the money. Say that that's do, that's always going to be documented. That who gets paid, which projects get budgeted and financed, who gets a job out of it. Usually, if it's crisis actors, I assume these are part-time jobs. That a lot of that, by the way, has been documented on the web, which is great. But you know, it's interesting because you you would probably come back and say, well, that means they don't mind us knowing because see it's you're out there in Oklahoma, right Chris is that where you're at in Oklahoma?
3: That's correct, yep.
1: yeah, yes, so I'm here on the East Coast, and I'm right in the belly of the beast, like within like right here in my neighborhood on my block these an inordinate number of these people work down there at the Puzzle Palace or at Fort Meade, or maybe they drive up the road to Fort Dietrich, who knows I mean it this is all the complex here. I think maybe much more so than I mean, unless you're within the vicinity of a, a military, an air force base, or something like. Nell- is Nellis in Oklahoma? Yeah, I think so. But Nellis,
3: uh, yeah, 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 Oklahoma City. Uh,
1: yeah, that's kind of a, a bit of. But you know, you're not, you're not, exp- you're. <laughs> I, I hate. What does the phrase "fly over country" mean? Where did that come from? Because <laughs> that's that's. I'm, it's like I'm thinking of you in another universe because you just don't realize how dense this is here and how much is fun. like when Eric Holder was talking about, we have to have a daily a program that basically every, every other day we're doing something to brainwash, you know, well, he's talking about an ongoing, uh, sustainable, financially sustainable project. And that has to be paid for. So somewhere in your, in your fantasies, in my fantasies of the moment when we actually bring some of these bastards to trial, for this racketeering that's how that will be documented so who got paid what because this is racketeering this is RICO among other things there's a lot more going and it, it isn't just fraud it's racketeering well, if you,
3: like i've done some research into it myself i've uh, i've been i got some um i got a court case that deals with uh cuz i've i've said this before and it was inaccurate but I was, you know, I was qualifying. I said, to my knowledge, I don't know of any laws governing, you know, putting out fake and stage news. But there is a law against media distortion is what they call it. Media distortion. And, you know, when you are talking about law, you have to define these terms like what it, what does it mean to distort something?
2: No, if well, you
1: conspire to if you conspire to use the mass media and you engineer scripts and act them out and convince people that deaths have occurred and 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 these events if you're doing something like that that is a shakedown operation it's exactly yeah, you know what it is it's nothing but a postmodern version of of uh, Meyer Lansky uh, Capone in Chicago it's a protection racket
0: that's exactly well, well, what yeah, it's I
3: mean but here here's here the flip protection side of that. Let me let me let me say this. This is the flip side of this because th- this is the, the the tricky thing about this thing called law. It's that um, if well,
1: technically formally, yeah. like who cares without muscle? What this we can? You don't have to convince me about law about the meaninglessness of that term right. law because it, it's really about muscle. But here's, What's the, here's, you know, here's that,
3: what I here's the way I think it. I, here, here's the way I lawyers, think lawyers,
1: guns, and money. Yeah, yeah,
3: I mean, here's, here's the way I think it's, um, here, here, here's, I think the quote unquote logic that's at work possibly with this stuff is that, you know, you have these laws that are against, you know, so called media distortion. And if you look at what is the criteria, because, um, from what I understand, from what I know, I don't know anyone anyway, could be brought up on charges for the you know distorting the media. They can't bring it okay, it's, then you got okay, it's the first amendment and they can say anything they want, basically. And then there was a, the case that I was referred to when I called the FCC, I called their lawyer guy. Uh, I, I could post that on there, but I don't, I don't know there's not that much information. He just told me to go, He just referred me to this case and I pulled up this case and on media about media distortion because there was um there's some case law surrounding this and this this case got dismissed out of court cuz they there were charged this this person this individual that wanted to sue CBS News for putting out a story about um you know the Ukraine and how they were misrepresenting the people in the U- Ukraine and um comparing them to Nazis and stuff like that and he was upset with it and wanted to wanted to go after um uh, he, he went after the FCC and with um, the intent that he would have uh, when when CBS's license came up for renewal, then they would deny the renewal based on the fact that they're distorting the news. But uh, that was thrown out of court. But then if you look at, OK, now, what is you know the, the definition of media distortion and then what what are the criteria that they would use to not renew CBS's license? Well, one thing, a qualifier is that, um, it would have to be something against the public interest. But if you look into like, say, for instance, gun control, um, what they'll tell you, and they said, and they're basing this on polls and stuff like that, is that it is in the public interest. If you look in gun control and you put, put in gun control public interest into Google, you'll, you'll come up with this, um, notion that, Well, the majority of people want, quote, unquote, common sense gun laws. But see, it's the gun lobby that's preventing these laws from being um, put in. And it is in the public interest to get these laws in place. So under that, you know, whole construct there, is it in the public interest to implement control? I think the argument can be made if you're basing it on that. Which I don't agree with, but an argument can be made, certainly, that, oh, it is in the public interest. So if the media is putting this stuff out, these fake staged events, and a case could be made that these are in the public interest, and, and the case can be made, oh, this is just to put pressure on Congress, which I, which I doubt, uh, then what law has been violated? <clears throat> There's a principle
1: under the First Amendment that you cannot stand up in a crowded dark movie theater and scream fire unless it really is a fire and that your right to false speech does not extend to uh, actually creating public disorder or panic inducing panic nor does it extend to traumatizing millions of people over the airways deliberately to induce a policy of warfare and domestic police state, there is no way that the First Amendment protects that. And if you're if if you if people submit to the principle, if they roll over for the idea that these public airwaves can be, I mean, after all, people get their weather forecast from them, right? They, did, well, am I going to bring an umbrella to work today or not? If they suddenly said. Uh, you know, if they announce there's a chemical spill, and we have to evacuate. You understand? Pa- pa- of course, I think a lot of people already know this. I don't think. I don't think. I think a lot of the of this the media that is pro- like if you look at CNN, Fox, um, MSNBC, all these PBS, all of them they are losing audience in people no longer believe them people no longer trust them and to tell you the truth i don't know how many people really watch or listen to them much anymore i don't i don't believe the numbers i do not believe the arbitron numbers and they don't look so good either from what i hear
3: but now if you look at all the televisions everywhere that anytime you go anywhere there's a television stuck on the wall and have five anyone
1: who is paid, CNA. anyone who is paid, anyone who is paid a salary to get on, to, like, for example, Lynn uh, McConnell and her husband being interviewed there by Anderson Cooper.
2: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: you, you're telling me that if I didn't, sh- that if I showed that to a jury, they wouldn't hang every one of them. Showed that, showed that to a jury and. Uh, go back and watch that interview that Anderson Cooper did with him. If you showed that to a jury and then said this is all, this was, and proved that this was all an act, this is all put on. Can you imagine a jury not convicting these people? See, it's all about muscle. That's what this is really about.
3: Well, yeah. If you could then... you could get lawyers
1: now. You're you're telling me that officially the f the FCC the FCC people told you. That in fact, there was no re- – that they could broadcast fake news and there was no re- – there's no obligation on the part of these publicly licensed broadcasters, publicly licensed broadcasters. No obligation on their part not to induce panic in a population or traumatize a population by broadcasting fake news, serious stuff like you know shoot- shootings and nightclubs and crap like that. Nah, I think you'd have a real hard time justifying it in front of the jury. But I, I, it's about the power at this point, and it's about the corruption, and it's about the money, the money, and that's what ultimately will, is all that needs to be used. Would all that would really be necessary to document? Because you're right, the 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 fraud itself is transparent at this point. It really is. Oh yeah. If anybody had if, 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 any any lawyer who had like a half hour or an hour to present it to the jury could pretty much convince them of that. But then the question is what do you do with these despicable people who pull, who are participating in this? That's really what we're talking about, isn't it? Now well, I think that's really that what this, is. so what are we going to do? Are we going to share? Are we going to live in this country with peace of mind? Are we going to sleep at night with peace of mind? Knowing that there's so many of them <clears throat> running around,
3: well, I think there there's, is this, um, this concept of this this noble lie concept, and we, we've talked about this many times before. and these people that are involved in these sort of things, like you, you're talking about doctors and stuff too, you know these like hospitals and stuff like that that are participating in this in these fake state shooting events and hoaxes and stuff kind um, of good.
2: Yeah, for for the the greater greater good. It's for the
3: greater good, and I do believe that there's. And I'm not saying everybody that participates because I think probably maybe even the majority of people that participate in it just do it simply for the fact that they sign a non-disclosure agreement. They're kind of locked in. They know better than to come out and talk. There's no reason. Oh, that will be their defense.
1: That will be their defense. We will have that. We will have all that arranged for them because we're going to provide them with defense attorneys too. That's the argument for their defense. Oh, they're going to have to point the finger up the ladder, see, and say, "Well, I was obligated by this contract I signed with these people." You understand? That's how you build the case, going right on up the pyramid. And they will—they'll roll over at a heartbeat. These people, you understand? These these crisis actors will roll over. Those, I you know, I want to go back and look at that video again those Dallas freaks because they—they'd be real easy to shake down if you had. If you had to mount on them, they'd be real easy to shake down. And they'd, they'd spill their guts out. They'd say whatever you want. They'd testify against whoever you wanted in a heartbeat. They already sold their souls, right?
3: See, well, let's say hypothetically something went to court. Let's say somebody somebody dug something up that was kind of, you know, the smoking gun evidence that, you know, one of these, these uh, events was fake. And then they, you know, started to to proceed court proceedings and all that. I mean, so certainly the news media is not going to cover it, right? It's not.
1: Well, it depends. it, It depends what you. They don't define reality. I mean, I understand they define perception. They define perception. They don't define reality. In the long run. Now. You're right. They control the reality on the ground through their ability to control perception to to the extent that people have no choice, have no choice. And increasingly, we will enter a world very similar. None of this is missed. You know, there's no you don't need to be futuristic or mystical about this. This has already happened in the old East Bloc, the Soviet Union. I would compare us more to the GDR, the old East Germany then i went to the soviet union because they were a little more advanced a little more industrial larger middle class a little more refined that it will take that form of um the unbearable lightness of being you know no one anytime anybody flicked on a tv a radio or tv over there they just laughed at whatever was being reported they didn't know what to believe and basically you had to kind of if you saw what faces were up there on the rostrum at the may day parade And where they stood, you were supposed to interpret from that who was, who was doing what, who was calling what shots, where the power was. But beyond that, you didn't, all all you knew was that the corruption was, went right on up the line because you experienced it on a daily basis. But you kind of trudged along with it because it did provide a certain standard of living. That's the key. See, it's when the bread runs out. It's when that standard of living starts unraveling. Then all the bullshit narratives that people have been having to, uh, you know, gag is like tap, you know, they had having to listen to this and hear it and say, and nod with it when they knew it's, when they know it's all lies, then so suddenly that, you know, when, the, when the bread is not coming across, that's when you start to see people revolting about the narrative that hasn't happened yet sufficient. And and, they, and that's what I think they're trying to manage.
3: I was thinking well, I mean I, you know, it depends on who you're talking about because if you if you're saying that you know when people become uh dissatisfied with the system then they'll start to take action but you know how how many people are out of work now how many people are in bad financial straits as you know as a result of the the, the economy I I know a lot of people I know numbers. a lot of people that are out of work and I know a lot of people their standard of living is Depreciated considerably in the last, you know, several years. And, um, people so, feel you know, defeated. yeah, you got people a lot of people out there defeated. that are just like on the skids, too. Down. Right. Yeah, plenty of people, plenty of people that rise up, you know, if, if that's right. I mean, maybe what you're hinting at is like there's going to be some kind of an uprising or something like that. No, well, no, there's no. Already, well, there's that's... already, the, there's enough disgruntled out there to, right. to rise up. See, they won't do it until. You know, George Soros funds a, uh, you know, a, a pizza party camp out at, uh, you know, Wall Street and stuff like that. Like we saw where they're, you know, putting ads on Craigslist to get paid by the day to come out and eat pizza and hang oh. out at the at Wall Street with your tent.
1: Don't dismiss that out of hand.
3: Just No, I mean, I want- know that I, I, like I said at the time that was going on, I said, yeah there's a lot of people there a lot of people that are really there because they're motivated by their discontent with the system and they have and they're really demonstrating uh true sentiment but not not as uh not as not in the uh not not in its entirety it's it was um a, a contrived stage thing For the most part, for the cameras. And then it's to, yeah, to serve the narrative, not to really. But what
1: if they trigger something? What if they trigger something that they can't put back in the bottle, that they can't entirely control? What if they trigger egos that maybe like like. I'm not saying Donald Trump is one of those egos, because I think, you know, if he really got out of hand, they'd they'd be taken real. Oh, I don't know. Have there been hit attempts on Trump? We're being told now that there was at least one armed intruder that was stalking Trump. Is there anything to that? Or is it just another media narrative? What I'm saying is there are, there, they take risks. These people are reckless. As you say, they, they don't care. You know, is it, Yeah, I mean, with, I think there's
3: probably people that might be stalking, you know, stone cold Steve Austin, but like what it would have, what something happened to him. I don't know. He's a wrestler and I don't think that it would, in the end, really, be that you know, great of an impact. Donald Trump, he's an actor. He's a real, reality television star. And if you look well, into all, like how we, you know, he's also real. He's also real
1: stuff. estate mogul too, right? He's also a real estate mogul. Well, that's what I was going to say acts- when, I,
3: when you when you go into looking into that. Like if like they've I've done some reading up on Donald Trump, and they said like if he uh-huh. would have took the money that he had inherited from his from his dad and put it in a regular kind of Standard and investment portfolio, like the you know average person does, as far as you know saving up for retirement. If he would have just took that money and socked it away into one of those accounts, he would have more. Actually, have more money than he does now because he's his his real estimated worth is something like three billion, and he he, he and he think he inherited you know several hundred million. In the yeah, aggregate of it's,
1: it's not the money. Well, it's, it's, it's yeah. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me kind
0: of.
3: He's not this, se- he's not this self-made man or he's not, no, he, I, he I know that. I'm sure he has it, a lot of business acumen, but it's, it's, he's, he's where he is because of his father's business connections and all that. And obviously.
1: Right. In, in the beginning, yeah. but he, he has made something of that with his association. Yeah. But, but
3: he hasn't, he, he's not taken seriously in even you know he's not even in the top 10 or even yeah I, that's not how you measure people it. in new york
1: chris chris that's not how you he, measure he's a it. showman he,
3: he, primarily now
1: listen listen that's not how you measure it people used to say they used to compare chase manhattan bank to bank of america and bank of america on paper perhaps had more assets and was more liquid than Chase Manhattan,
3: mm-hmm. but Chase
1: Manhattan was considered much more important because Chase Manhattan had what's called leverage. That is to say, its money was distributed in various ways that it could exert leverage in places It had a, a branch in Moscow and a, and a branch in, in, in every major European city, whereas Bank of America pretty much was stuck in the Western Hemisphere, even though Bank of America had greater cash assets at one point. It, it, so with a guy like Trump, it's not – you can't met to say, well, he doesn't have the money he might have had if he'd invested. It's not about that. It's about leverage. It's about the ability to manipulate money and use it, and, and, and that's social engineering too. So yeah, he parlayed that into an entertainment career, but even before that, he obviously was, he obviously was successful in the money game and the real estate game and in networking. So this is not underestimated. This is a guy, he's a graduate of Fordham University, Jesuit education, and then he went to an Ivy League school, the Wharton, University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, where, you know, Wharton Economic Forecasting Associates, that is an Ivy League institution. So, this is no dummy we're talking about here. He's not a marionette. Now, how much, you know, obviously he's compromised by his, all you've got to do is look at his history to see how compromised he is. And would he really be at risk or you're right. Would they just kind of, I don't know. He'd do a disappearing act of some kind if they really didn't want to put him in there. But what if they got the mob around him? So riled up. that They needed him as a safety valve and they kind of had to put him in there.
3: I don't rule that out, but it, uh, you know, it's, it's, this world wrestling. I mean, I, th- I think it is, you know, I draw that comparison. and uh, We, you know, we, point that out here on the calls that that's what that's what politics is really it's political theater nothing more really um so like say you want to they, confront
1: you want to go to a trump rally and explain that directly to them hey guys this is all theater i'll do that hey guys this is all theater these elections are probably going to be electronically rigged how can your candidate even guarantee the result the integrity of the result and most people will probably agree with you
3: yeah, but so, I mean, let's say he got put into the presidency, um, he's still an actor and that's he you know, if it's kind of like a, a auditioning for a role in a in a big film. I mean, we had a think this. For unleashes, eight years.
1: You don't think this potentially maybe unleashes uh social forces that would consider uh, people get pumped up by what they think is a victory, even if it's an even if it's the victory of illusion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you shouldn't underestimate you know you call it entertainment the nika riots of like five thirty two a d in Constantinople Have you ever looked at this this is a these were uh riots between rival uh fans supporters of rival chariot racing teams in the Hippodrome in Constantinople that nearly brought down the regime of Justinian the Great. I mean, uh, notwithstanding a massacre, they had to, they they tricked the leaders of the two contending factions. It really became a popular uprising, but it was organized around the chariot racing team fans. So I wouldn't underestimate the the role that, you know, what (laughs) you're calling it entertainment, see, but to the people who believe in it, it's it has an emotional import, say. So,
3: so, I does, agree. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin he gets people fired up, big time. Yeah. Well,
1: I, you know, I, I I I could I couldn't see people burning down a. Uh, well, I don't know.
3: I. I, but like, I okay, I so know. you're proposing this. Give me, see, rallies, give me a hypothetical. Give me a hypothetical. What would happen if uh, Trump got the emotion
1: the emotions I've seen reflected at the Bernie Sanders and the Trump rallies look authentic to me. Whereas at the other, you know, like Hillary's and, and, and the, the, most of the people that were running it. Well, the Ben Carson people, I guess, were a little bit authentic, but, but they weren't, it was not large crowds. This guy Trump gets very large crowds and they get very emotional. Right. And that's not, you know, that's not, that's not actors there. <laughs>
3: Well, I and, mean, I was thinking the same thing with this, with the, um, it, yeah, you, you see, it, people have pointed this out too, like they've had the, they had the Democratic convention and people were really seriously upset that Bernie Sanders, uh, turned it over to Hillary Clinton and gave his endorsement. And there should have were, been a
1: riot there. It really Yeah, there have was, been a I think
3: it looked like there just about was, from I could tell. There's just about on the kind of on the verge of a riot. And then they were, 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 were pulling out some shenanigans to try to, Just the you know, cover up the fact that you know, there was all these upset people there, yeah. I think that's real, yeah. I think that people are really, uh, really upset, yeah. And if um, uh, Hillary Clinton got put in there and it's and it's clearly the favorite is Trump, and then they you know, stick Hillary in there, is that going to piss a lot of people off? Absolutely, it's going to piss a lot of people off, it is going to really. And then, but are people going to learn that it's theater and that it's fake? It's like
1: I, I think they know think it's theater. So. I think most people know deep down inside they know it's theater already. The, for example, yeah, but the they comb-
3: don't act like it. They don't. No, they, the, the, the no, What you do the- then is like you you take as much interest in it as you do with you know pro wrestling, and I think a lot of people enjoy pro wrestling, and I don't. Uh. I, it's like I could probably be entertained on if I was going to sit down and watch some pro wrestling and kind of get into it follow it but you know knowing in my mind that this is purely entertainment it's choreographed it's it's scripted it's you know and it's it is what it is but it's yeah it's entertaining you know, dudes like pumped up on steroids screaming at each other and you know saliva and stuff flying out of their mouth and then they got you know it's a lot of stuff going on and it's very entertaining and it's um, kind of dramatic and uh, it, it's, politics is the same thing. Um, and, and, you know, to, to have a lot of, you know, disgruntled, upset people out there. Uh, do we, did, did we have it? Don't we have that in every election? Aren't, aren't, aren't gonna, aren't gonna people gonna be mad because a Democrat doesn't get in or a woman, female president is like every, like a lot of people there behind. Hillary thinks that all that's what needs to happen in this country. And they're very adamant about it. They're very set on this idea. And it's like, well, as far as I can tell, what the sentiments toward Trump and Hillary both are grounded in stuff that is like not even true on the surface level, like the wall that Trump's going to build. Like I've ranted and raved about that. It's like, okay, how long has this immigration issue been an issue? It's been an issue for decades. Like and then Trump's going to build a wall, okay? What? Do he, well, that's is, just it, a symbol. That that's just a symbol. What he's saying is he's going to reverse the he's policy. Just blowing smoke. He's not going to. If he got to be president, how would he build a wall? He's not going to build a wall. He have to get congressional approval. That that'd be another thing. But it's like, is that going to happen? It's, no, absolutely not. Like if they did, if if it happened, it would be it would be. It would be ceremonial. It'd be it would be for well, show. Know, it wouldn't be real. People
1: know it's empty symbolism. They know that. They know you could tunnel underneath a border. Who cares about a wall? People know that, but they understand the, the symbolic import of it. What is he saying? He's making a promise here. He's saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this around. I'm gonna I'm gonna." Impose restrictions. I'm going to penalize employers that hire illegals and so forth. I wonder if anybody's done background on helmet on how on Trump's businesses historically whether they've been caught employing illegals or not. That's that's be a very useful information to know, don't you think? Because uh, yeah. a, a lot of what a lot of what Trump I'll is make, doing. I don't think it, it make any difference. It, it, are you aware of that or? Or just oh yeah, uh, um, I don't know a, a lot. A lot of what he's done is reversals, right? I mean, he's done a lot of these one hundred and eighty degree reversals in, in this in this campaign he's doing now. Essentially, he's reversed himself from his lifelong <laughs> positions on a number of issues.
3: But okay, Hamad's saying Hillary is a hundred electoral college votes ahead. She will be president. It's done. It's a done deal. Who's saying deal.
1: that? He's saying that? Okay, i on. Yeah. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, because that's what counts. I mean, they had a poll on ABC, and like 8% voted for Hillary. Like, Donald Trump had this um, really huge margin of like 70-something, something like unprecedented. I mean, crazy. Like, he's obviously... A popular favorite on the internet but see they'll tell you too in the media it's like yeah those internet polls don't really count because they're not even reflective of the true voter base anyway which, which i think it's probably true to a large extent because like um a, what i see a poll like I, my limited experience with polls it's like you go there and it's like mainly elderly people are into it enough to go out and actually vote like younger people, no, you know, I mean, that I'm not saying that no younger people vote or anything, but like the, the, they're, you know, you got these, you know, like Rush Limbaugh I would say heads full of mush, you know, out, coming out of these universities and stuff. And they, they rallied behind, uh, Bernie Sanders and something like that, but they're not going to get out and vote for Hillary. They're probably not even going to get out and vote, but you know, whatever the case, it, it, it's, it's, it's all, it's all a big, it's, it's all like a, it's kind of like a, a movie of the week series. I mean, if they've had those in the past, you know, like on television, some really popular ones that drag on and on for, you know, several months or several seasons, stuff so like that. That's all the elections are. Same thing. It's like a, it's like a reality television feature to, so they can, dog, dog, they can jam dog up and, the uh, dog and media pony, sphere you know. with that.
1: Dog yeah, it's a sh- it's,
3: a, yeah. it's it's entertainment, and then like the, the, people get really worked up over it, and um, it's emotionally charged. And then, uh, yeah, it serves the the media apparatus and keeps people distracted. And and but then
1: they know they know that the people who are motivated by the Trump movement, if you if, if I can call it that, the ferment, the political ferment there, you know, they have expectations. Will, what would be, what's going to be the psychological impact of having the, if, if they're convinced the election, say, is stolen from them? I, you know, Well, they, they're, they're going to get
0: anyways- pissed.
3: That's what's going to happen. But then, you know, they're going to go to, they're going to go to work Monday and they're going to get over it and they're going to adapt. I, I was, first time I went through TSA, I was like pissed. I got kicked out of the airport. Yeah. Uh, one time, yeah. I'm pissed. It's like yeah. this is, sucks. This is ridiculous. It's absurd. It's theater. It's right. nonsense. Yeah. It's like. But um, what are you going to do about it? Is the question. And it's like, um, well, I don't know. Well, what do you do? And that's just the. It's just a fact of business now. Well, if you want to you know, fly, you got to go to TSA.
1: At this point, we we, we can do what networks like hopes, like we can do what. Hoaxbusters or fakeologists or others, are in other words, we can, you know, hey, this is it. Let's put it out there for people to see. You know, let's tell it like it is for people to see. That's about it. But that, you know, you could just as well argue like what you were saying before about Wolfgang how big and his going basically. Well, he's his going up there afforded opportunities to capture YouTube videos that are also very revealing of some of the corrupt officials and, and locals up there involved in this scam. So, you know, there's, it it did in a, in a sense, gather stuff that can be used as evidence. Should an opportunity ever arise to use it against these people, Um, your complaint about how, because you feel that he's just propping up illusions about the legal system in the courts. And you know, maybe it's just another vehicle for exposing them in this, uh, you could just as easily argue what are we doing here on darpa's internet uh, talking about this stuff right
3: yeah that's you know, a good question
1: you know we're stuck in the arenas that are available to us that's pretty much it now at the point where we actually get some muscle maybe we'll create some arenas of our own and they'll have to fight in those arenas if they expect to keep power
3: but well, you got the like uh, the guy going down to Dallas and asking the police questions. I mean, what if there was like thirty people there, fifty people? Hey, down Chris, there? Chris,
1: Chris, I think you're underestimating how frightened these people are.
3: Well, if there was fifty people down there asking those questions, they would be sh- soiling themselves. Right, they Wouldn't exactly. be doing that.
1: It wouldn't you take know, much. It wouldn't it, it take does, much. Yeah, but consider this. I, I agree. Consider it doesn't this. take much. You have the pre- a presidential candidate. And by the way, it looks to me like that video of that speech, we were told it was a live speech, but it looks to me like they pasted stuff together. And I I don't know, some people think there's even some (laughs) green screen in it. But Hillary Clinton's now famous or infamous speech in which she uh, enumerates uh, Alex Jones, uh, the alt-right, Sandy Hook, the Boston Marathon, um, and recapitulates our narrative. In, in the sense that you know, Sandy Hook was fake, and that the kids were actors. And that's Hillary Clinton saying that. Why would she be giving currency to such a weird, marginal notion if it were no longer, unless it were no longer marginal? Now, well, that tells
3: on. me that anybody that's going to listen to her, generally speaking, has never even heard of that. And so when they, when she throws that out there. They're, they're like, oh, ha-ha, that is so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Oh, Alex sure. Jones guy believes that.
2: I'm sure. But,
3: Trump other- is, like, she, but her point was, well, Trump is. So why draw is, attention
1: to it? Why draw attention to it? Because yeah. out of those people, there are bound to be some who, out of sheer boredom, will go out to the web and say, well, let me look at what these people are saying.
3: Well, and, if you, and, 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 and you type in. Boredom- if you type in. Let me do it right now so I don't. Misrepresent sandy hook Google Hoax. I mean, just put sandy hook sandy hook into the uh darPA's Google <laughs> search <laughs> algorithm oh so oh it it auto corrected for me, so I have to type it in again.
1: I think they want us to know, I think they want public acceptance of this charade that's what I think. And that's why they're they're deliberately sloppy about it, and that's why they're in our faces about it. They want an attitude like you had with people living in the old German Democratic Republic or the old Soviet Union, where it just didn't matter because you were you felt powerless to do anything
2: about it anyway.
3: Yeah, you'll get articles about. Oh, Sandy Hook theories explained at Huffington Post. Oh, I wonder what this says. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, so it is, I think, too big to ignore. That's why it's uh, Hillary Clinton's broaching the topic. That's the first time I've actually heard of somebody that's that kind of high profile actually mentioning it. So what is it? First, they ignore you. Then they... Well, whatever. You, you will um,
0: agree You will
1: agree that her speech writers and handlers, like, she doesn't come up with this crap.
3: No. This, yeah, these no, words no, are being no. put in
1: her mouth, right? You will no. agree that they obviously want to draw attention to Breitbart, Alex Jones, who else was named there? Uh, David Duke. David Duke. Why bring up? They are drawing attention to this. They're drawing every name they mention there. Someone is going to go out and look. It's, it's all it amounts to is watching a YouTube video. It's not like its you got to read a book or read an article, read a blog. Uh, you can watch a YouTube video or listen, listen to a podcast. See, something's going on here that it's almost like there is a kind of a revelation of the method going on here. And that's throwing down. They're saying, okay, people, here it is. We all know that this is just a big fraud, but your your standard of living and your future, your material future are tied, tied to it, bound to it. So you better watch what you say.
3: Well, if you put that, in. OK, like so I'm reading this article from Huffington Post and it's just what I, just what I was talking about earlier. Like so they'll say, well, what about all these theories? And well, we'll explain them for you. And then it goes down to these different points like, oh, Sandy Hook, school, school nurse Sally Cox got a script wrong or Adam Lanza died the day before the shooting Or their point. They'll point this different stuff out and then they go here and like debunk it like, oh, there were multiple shooters. Oh, there were, you know, um, uh, Facebook pages were already set up.
1: Yeah. But, you know, something and, and anybody like anybody who's curious enough to want to look at the original,
3: now, the, the original say,
1: news coverage.
3: Well, that's, that's what yeah. I am talking about. Like you, you know, like these, these, these straw men that get set up. That's why I think it's better to like, when, you know, when I discuss it, I'm just like, I, I just keep it to the known facts. Like, right. okay, like I, I've talked about this Facebook page being set up before. And it's like, well, now that by itself, because you can make a Facebook page and then go change it later to something else. So that, that, and I've pointed out before, well, that's not really that big of a deal. But when you take it into consideration with, like the uh, fundraising sites that were also set up, they also have the date creation date of date before. That 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 changes the the perspective of the whole thing altogether. I don't know. I but thought then,
1: I thought Sandy Hook was a goldmine for us. Gene Rosen, Robbie Parker, um, Wayne Carver, the, the 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 medical. I mean, the, the the alleged. I mean, all people have to do is watch those videos, and it's a no brainer. So. No, this is, people deep down inside know they're being conned.
3: They oh, know it. yeah, and there's a lot of people, too, like, people I know that I'm close to that, like, before, like, I would bring up something about nine eleven, and they said, oh, that's crazy. Get, they get mad. And they don't even want to talk about it. And then, like, just relatively recently, like, um you talk to the same person. It's like, they make comment now, like, oh, I don't believe anything I see on TV. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, when did you come to that conclusion? Well, it's just, yeah, sometimes it takes time. I mean, like, here's another thing too. Like if you got, if you're putting up videos or something like that, and you're getting all this negative feedback, which I do. I get shit tons of negative feedback on my videos on YouTube. I keep in mind too, it's like, oh, this could be a paid shill, whatever. I don't care what they say, whatever. And then there, but there could be like people that will watch that video, attack it. Because that's their visceral, visceral response at first, and they get upset, and then they start calling you names. But it, you know, don't I? I make it a point not to return the insult. You know, don't turn it into like I'm going to insult you back. It's like, no, it's like maybe this person is fighting with this, and they don't like it. They don't like the feelings that are being invoked when they see this, and that's human, you know. And it's just like take that into consideration and say, yeah, be Above that, to where it's like, well, dude, I'm just showing you this stuff. You you could take it or leave it or whatever. Don't don't fall to that level of like fighting and creating that that adversary there. It's like it, I think that's a that's a real important thing. It's like, yeah, don't go in there battling with people and like calling them names when they call you names and stuff like that. I think it's better just say, hey, you know, this is like I ran this cross. This is what I think. Just take that attitude. I'm not saying verbatim say that, but like. It's, it's that attitude like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to start returning the name calling to you. I'm just going to, you know, I, I do engage in a little bit of ridicule and stuff like that on, on comments and stuff like that at times. But then it's, it's always framed within, Hey, you know, look at this, you know, just, just look at it. You know, it's like, it's just like, and that's all there is to it. And yeah, not, not getting into these, um, back and forth name calling and stuff like that. Cause it, that's never going to you know result in anything positive probably well, I,
1: I like i like your youtube videos i think they're they're provocative and if they provoke an emotional reaction in some personally, i think most of them probably are trolls but if it provokes an authentic negative emotional reaction in someone good it's about time somebody took this shit seriously
3: yeah and maybe and so, that's their you know, first step in their Kind of journey to waking up to stuff maybe right because like a a lot of people say that too it's like yeah i've woken up this stuff but originally i was like i would you know call people names who espouse these ideas it's like yeah you got to keep that in mind too people's minds change people can be convinced if they're showing enough stuff and it's like but if you're positioning yourself as their adversary which you're not there there's more likely a chance that they're going to they're going to take that as an excuse to dismiss the whole thing and say, well, look at this guy. you know, he's a, you know, well, I was being an asshole, but they're being an asshole too. And that's like, it's a you get into the same thing that we get into with this politics debate. And it's like, well, that's what politics is. It's all it is. If you listen to it, it's just like one side accusing the other. Well, Bill, Bill Clinton did this. And well, yeah, but you know, George Bush did the same thing. And that's all it is. And so generally speaking, that's like the, the overwhelming majority of so-called political discourse and discussion is like these these tit-for-tat back and forth round and around that never go anywhere the question
1: is 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 the agenda secret or is the agenda out in the open that today i don't know what it's like out there in oklahoma but today here in central maryland 10 o'clock this morning the skies were covered with, uh, with we're being sprayed, you could literally watch them being sprayed. The sky, you could watch the skies being painted. And I pointed this out to several people. I said, "Look up at that," and every one of them said, "You know, I, I've never really looked at it. I've never really looked up at it." And then someone else said, "Well, isn't that just all? Uh, isn't that just the uh, vapor, the condensation vapor, the jet stream?" I said, "Look at the pattern." I said, look at the pattern. I said, that's a grid they're spraying across the sky. Do you see any real clouds? And look across the horizon. You could see stretching across the horizon a complete linear uh, 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 row of this spray literally across the horizon. It looked nothing like a cloud, and everyone could see it. That's self-evident truth. And my next and – and it's not hard to get people to acknowledge that when you can point it right at them. And then the, ne- the next thing I always say is, unless they're in complete denial, and I don't encounter that that much. You know, I, just, uh, I do hear people dismiss it, try to blow it off. Well, fine. But usually people will engage on that They'll say, you know, you're right. It is kind of – and I'll say, hey, guess what? I say, don't – I said, it's uh, geoengineering. It's been going on for a long time. I say, but don't expect the media – to be reporting on it because you're, you're on a strictly need to know basis. I said, and that should tell you how much you can trust what they are, how much you, how much trust you can put into the crap that they are telling you. So, you know, to me, it it, the self evident truth is right in front of people if they really want to look at it. But, you know, it, the denial is an emotional thing. It's not an intellectual thing. I've never accepted that. I know people don't understand nine 11. If only they knew, yeah, I don't buy that. Yeah, I don't buy that. From the day it happened, the, the the original narrative was so full of holes from the from the very day it, box cutters. It's ridiculous. From the day it happened, everyone pretended to believe it. They pretended to believe it. But I don't think most people in the Middle East believed it from the word go. I don't think most I don't think the average Pakistani believed that uh, uh 19 student pilots armed with box cutters, you know, beat Norad and and all that. <laughs> you know. Well,
3: let's talk we were... about this too with the um the first you, you did you listen to when I was going into the uh what was the first mass media event historically speaking?
1: Yes, you know yeah, well, what it is. Okay, uh you're not talking about Orson Welles' uh, radio broadcast. You're talking about even earlier, right? Yeah,
3: 1835.
1: Right, uh, not Piltdown man. Uh, yeah, you talked about this. You said it was like a stage. Oh, men and people in the moon. Is that right? Yeah, bat, bat
3: people on the bat people on the moon, like <laughs> pe- people flying around bat wings on the moon.
1: But who like would have taken this seriously?
3: Who well, would have taken that's this the seriously. point I was gonna make with bringing that up is that um it, it was the uh so-called intelligentsia the academic classes and stuff like that that were the most taken in by accounts if you look at what you know historically, ah. supposedly happened it was like the the kind of common old farmer old timers and stuff like that they were like ah it's a bunch of baloney. Words. i mean come on you know words
1: in the paper yeah
3: yeah that was their you know their their common sense, just common sense. And then, you know, common sense would tell you too, but see, we're, we're, we're out of that era. You don't have a lot of people around like that anymore. You got all these city dwellers and stuff that, you know, or are, are, don't have a lot of life experience, haven't messed, you know, it, it, well, there's all kinds of different people that make up this, you know, so-called United States or whatever, but you know, you, probably from the beginning like 9-11 or any of the stuff like that there's an awful lot of people out there i'm telling you that don't buy it that don't buy into it but there did i but i think you would find those people among you would find those people in the so-called depressed areas or um you know largely made up of like minorities like blacks like people in you know people that know the system is rigged and that they've they've had the experience you know they've seen their like Uncle or dad go to jail for just little petty bullshit. That's like, yeah, they know it's a scam, so they don't buy into the stuff like those people, and then they don't have any kind of real voice or anything, anyway. So, but that's—I think that's that—that has always been the case. The people that buy into it are the people that have the most invested, or they think they have a lot invested into the system. And I—that's a lot more.
1: That's a lot more people than than we than we than we would like to admit.
3: But, yeah, I think that's a real good point like you to, make is when yeah. people start getting upset with the system when they're, you know, their bread is no longer buttered or whatever analogy that I can come up metaphor that I can come up with. It's like, yeah, when their government, when their government right. check
1: bounces, when their government check bounces or, or when it isn't honored at the store. Well, that would that would be an overnight revolution. That'd be like and you you've had situations like that in places like, say, Argentina or you know where literally the government the the currency itself becomes unacceptable or the government check bounces yeah that would be a really catastrophic situation i don't think we've experienced anything quite like that but uh that would drive people then the narratives would be irrelevant but there is there is something you've pointed up here with that 1830s uh thing and that that tells me that in a sense something like 911 or I don't know, Sandy Hook almost becomes trivial alongside NASA and that whole, you know, Apollo uh, moonwalk hoax, the, the international, the alleged international space station, you know, with the, 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 uh, astronauts floating with their hair, with her hair <laughs> rolling around. You've seen that, right? The, 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 mm-hmm. the grass-free environment. Floating around in with their hair and all going all you know uh, floating around in different it, um, it it's like I talk about a dog and pony show that really I think the impact of taking down NASA as hoaxsters mm-hmm. um, that would far ex- that might even far exceed um, say the deconstruction of nine eleven in the popular imagination. And what would that mean if people came to that understanding?
3: Oh, that NASA's a pure scam. Um, NASA is huge.
1: NASA is yeah. huge.
3: Yeah, you know, well, I think it's uh Well, you're going to talk to people, you're going to run across people, and then see, this is like, you're going to find these people too in the so-called educated classes, you know, people who... Uh, yeah like I said, have some investment into the system they have careers they have um and and the more kind of prominent they are high profile they are, the more invested they are to it, and the more they toe the line of you know mainstream thought
1: right and you know what our job is our mission is to tell their children is to embarrass them in front of their children for lying to their kids, huh. That's how mm-hmm. I see my role in this. Oh, look, you're lying to your kids about this. You're, you're, you're luring them into this phony, false uh, perception of reality. This phony world that you know is false. You're lying to them. You're setting them up to be enslaved and to be brainwashed.
3: And well, if you read like 1984, they, that's brought out there. It's talking about the, the. Um, average person, the proletariat or what do they refer to people in, in that book. I can't yeah, they're the called proles. Trolls. Yeah. And then he talks about how, you know, he's he's watching this woman, she's hanging up her clothes line, and it goes into that discourse about how, you know, if they're if they knew the power that they held, they could they could shrug that whole entire state apparatus off with like a like a horse shrugging off a horse fly. That that's how easy it would be and that's true that's true today it'd be so easy if enough people said okay this is enough of this we're not going to put up with it anymore it would just be gone overnight and are the people who actually run the system are they afraid of that i think so yeah absolutely they're, they're that's something that is always continually on their mind uh like some kind of revolt or something like that where they where they're ha- having a major setback but um I, I think too something it pointed out in that book too. It's like it, that is a truism. It's like they, you know, people they just want to be left alone and they want to go about their lives and they want to have their, you know, their, their their family or they don't have family or whatever. They want to have their, you know, their entertainments and their, you know, uh, pre- pretty reasonable standard of living and all that stuff. And and beyond that, they they don't even see beyond any of that. It's kind of like. You know, representative being behind the 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 the, the picket fence there that it described. It's like they they don't they're not going to see beyond their little well fenced in area. You know, they don't want to. They don't want to look beyond that. It is, it's content right there where they're at. You know, and that's I think a truism, and that's you know what what keeps it all intact. You know, so whatever they you know, anybody's. Particular opinion is on nine eleven or or what? Um, it it it's really not going to have any kind of uh, real impact cause it, because because y- y- people aren't going to to um, really make any kind of real significant life changes ba- based on that knowledge, you know. And
1: um, that's that. Typically, the the
3: way things play out is that if there's a
1: a failure, a failure of infrastructure, a failure, a significant failure of services and standard of living, basic essential services, then, then there follows, uh, a blame game and a look for, uh, someone to be sacrificed, someone to be thrown under the bus
2: mm-hmm.
1: in order, in order to appease the public rage. And... Or, or, so to speak, a poison container, a sort of psychic poison container that can, that can take on this sin and be sacrificed for this. So I think what we're going to see is we're going to see elements of these uh, elite gangster factions throwing some of each other under the bus or, I don't know, singling out this or that group to be thrown under the bus. And then everybody in that group who's part of this fraud and part of this hoax is going to be running around looking to cover their butt. That's, that's the way I think things will play out that people always look for someone to blame when things fall apart. There has to be someone to blame and there has to be someone sacrificed. So like in a game of musical chairs, when the music stops, who's left standing and They can they are sort of playing this game recklessly, I think, because they may have to throw some of each other under the bus at some point in order to appease mass rage.
3: Yeah. Let's see. Here's the thing. Like, okay, so you got enough people that are upset and they're at the rally or at the Democratic Republican convention or something and they oh, it breaks into a riot that kind of gets extended out and then like half of the city gets burnt down or something like that. That would be great for the state apparatus because they could show that on the media. They can terrorize people with the imagery. It's, okay. This is, everything's falling apart, coming apart at the seams. We need to crack down and get people in line. And, mo- and most people would be for that. So, yeah, we need to crack down. All You know, we, we need to do something about it. But a, a real revolt it, what would happen I think I have an example of that on my site right now. It's like it's from a British television show, oddly enough, and it's it's couched in the framework of comedy. And it's actually a comedian. He's talking about what he did. They said so they sent him they, they, they sent him a parking ticket and then he asked them back. What proof do you have that I've illegal parked?" So they send him a picture of his car with um where the where the meter maid wrote something on his window that he was in some kind of violation. And, uh, yeah, you just have to watch it. I'm not going to try to explain it third out, but what am I talking about? It's like, okay, when you're confronted with a representative of the system and you know, this treatment you're receiving is unfair, you have a way because you've prepared yourself and you, and you've, and you've developed. It's just like going to, um, like you mentioned last time, you go to jujitsu. Well, it's like you, you train yourself in mental jujitsu and you go to war with these fuckers. And how do you do it? I don't know. Like that guy got real creative. It's real funny. You should watch that video. It's on the site on I'll h- check h- it h- out. .com. <laughs> but how do you do it? Well, I don't know. I don't have any, I, I could, I could tell, you know, I've talked about in the past what I've done, my own approach to it. And it's like nothing really special about it, not anything other people haven't done in the past, something to that level or not, but it's like, you don't put up with it. You, you create a, um, friction. It's like, you know, you, you kind of buck up against the, the, the shoot, you know, like you're going in for shearing a sheep, you know, there's like some sheep that will buck up and they start they start getting squirmy and they said, they'll let them on through the shoot without shearing them, you know, to get all the other sheep in through. I think that's a fitting uh, metaphor, analogy. It's like, yeah, just get this one out so they have an escape shoot, so they shoot him out, and he, he goes out with his wool intact. He's not getting cheered because he's, he's bucking up. He's jamming up the works. That's what that dude did on the, on the the uh, in the video. He's jamming up the works. Okay, so they dismissed his ticket. I've had tickets dismissed, you know, just jamming up the works, just questioning it, questioning the whole validity of it and everything. Uh, right. It, but see, you can't just simply question it. You, you have to have a, an approach. And it takes practice and it takes some thought and it takes some doing it. And, um, not only with the government, but like with corporations and with all the horseshit they'll put you through. And, and, um, yeah, TSA, anytime you're encountering where, where you're, you you're approaching the nexus point of the this control apparatus and their agents. You know, that at that point, because that's, that's the only point where you're really going to engage. And then you create friction. You create, you create a, uh, you instead of always getting sandbagged, cause that's, I've got, I don't care how many times I've get, got sandbagged, stonewalling, it's the bureaucratic stonewalling stuff like that. They're the people that are in, in the bureaucracies are, are good at that. The, the stonewalling and stuff like that. Well, you learn, take note of what's being done to you, and you turn it back on them in, in your own way. And then I'm telling you, if enough people did this, and I'm not saying like you become this activist, like where you're doing this all the time or every time you got to, you know, be confronted with a ticket or something. Just you know, or, you know, occasionally or when the no, when the notion strikes or something like that, you do it you become adept at it and you start practicing it shit would change so quick it would be unbelievable it would have to and i've talked about too like well get on the freaking phone like you know like that guy went down there and he he's talking to him in person i i my hat's off to him i think that's great um and then i you know i i plan making call to the dallas police department asking him about that video I said, what the hell is going on there what's all the guns with the uniforms that are obviously undercover Plain clothes agents of some sort, like what was all that about? I, how come you don't ask questions? I, I want, I, I plan to, but if I do, if I don't, or if somebody hears this and wants to, too, it's like, do it. Get on the phone, call these people, have them give an account for what they're doing. Well, Chris, if people did that, then the police would be all tied up on the phone and they wouldn't be able to stop rapists. They don't stop rapists. They don't. They don't do that. Now, I'm not saying that people that are in fire department, police, and stuff don't do good, you know, things on occasion and stuff because of their position. But it's like, yeah, they have to be held to account too, you know? So if they get they get some phone calls and they get some stuff like that, it's like I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with them having to answer pointed questions to the public. Are um, you going to get the runaround? Yeah, you're going to get the runaround. But it's like, hey, letting them know that we know and uh, just stuff like that it's it's not it's not this it's not this huge effort that one person has to put in like they have to totally kind of forfeit everything that they've earned or they have to lose their job they have to put their neck out and get get their head chopped off or anything like that. That, that that's not even necessary i don't believe that it just takes enough people to start practicing the intellectual self-defense where that becomes if that becomes a more common and then you'll see shit start to change quick it's like um yeah don't well here's another example this sounds really trivial but i think it's important it's like okay so i show up at the bus and they said well sorry sir the bus is full and i said well i got my ticket i got my thing And they said uh well sorry you have to come back tomorrow and that's bullshit you know it's like Okay, I understand that shit happens and then, you know, not everything goes according to plan, but yeah, I want some kind of compensation. Something, you know, I, I don't want to just get turned away. See, and then, you know, you, you, you stand up for yourself and I got a hundred dollar voucher on, you know, a discount on the th- stuff like that. That sounds so trivial, but I'm, I'm telling you, I think this is more, this type of thing is more important, way more important than fucking voting it's just telling it's just telling because okay it's and boss do they run the world or anything no but they're a representative of somebody of, of some organization that has way more power and resources than i have definitely no doubt about it but it's like do they want to piss everybody off no but the more people put up with bull crap and let it go because they they're this person that they're receiving it from is from some perceived position of authority now now, whatever shape it takes whatever a, a company like greyhound or the government or whatever these are just people they're all just people and that's all there is to it set your boundaries with these people you have to establish your boundaries with these people that's why i, I go into this thing with this analogy of the state being a uh sort of a surrogate father thing, you know, this this weird, dysfunctional, uh, uh, you know, distorted kind of family relationship thing that's, you know, supplanted instinctual things within the, the average human being. You, you become aware that, that, that those instincts have been co-opted and that you're having a scam run on you. Then it changes your perspective and then you're more likely to stand up. But if you're if you're brow beaten down into this idea that, oh, they're there to keep us safe and, you know, they're telling me to do this ridiculous thing. But it's, you know, they're doing it because it's for safety and by God, we all want to be safe. But that's totally that's a total illusion. You're not safe. You're never safe. There's always risk. Every time the risk you go down the road, it's risky. It's like, you know, it's like you're never going to be safe. So this idea that they're there for your safety is a is a total sham. Well, then you can go look at the court cases too. Like they have no legal obligation, no legal um, obligation under the law to protect any one individual. They're more of kind of like an abstract concept than anything. And then then we're under the pretext that that's you know it, it the police forces keep crime down, which I'm not arguing that they don't. Just the idea that they're there probably deters crime, but. How much crime would be deterred if everybody took responsibility to protect themselves and their family and was armed and, you know, more people than are now. Yeah, it's, crime would go lower. That would be obvious. But, you know, uh, yeah, what's the people point? Are, like, people, yeah. are,
2: are,
1: people are looking to the state to be a surrogate parent. Really, they want the state well, to yeah, take they care their kids. yeah, they want that kids. because was, they've
3: been conditioned yeah. to want that, yeah.
1: I am in receipt now of a summons to appear for jury duty at the end of September in this county. What would you suggest? Uh, now, now, I happen to be a, you know, I, I guess I'm an advocate of jury nullification, but uh, I understand that should get me disqualified. Is that right? I mean, now, how which, how what would constitute meaningful individual resistance or friction, as you call it, in in a in a situation like this should i uh, i mean i've got to sh- you know i have to show up there right <laughs> it's a pretty threatening tone they have too
3: well i don't uh, i mean it's like i pointed out before cuz i was on uh, uh i did a did a uh a show with Clint Richardson Oh, and, okay. uh, so it came down to like, what, uh, also, what do we do? And I was like, well, I don't, I, like, for, I mean, myself, I, I, like, I think about, oh, like, what do you, like, oh, what do you, you know, you suggest or whatever? It's like, everybody is, nobody is in the same, no two people are in the same situation. I pointed this out to like, everybody, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people since I've been doing these, these calls podcast or whatever and um yeah you run across people that are are on all kinds of different walks of life and different occupations and stuff like that and different life circumstances and you know and it's like yeah how do you put out like a call of action it's like well it's gonna be different for every individual you know it's based on their circumstances so um but i think the general idea is like yeah you I think the best way to put it is, is setting boundaries, just like you do with um, people that you deal with in your daily life, you know, like, um, oh, in relationships or whatever else, you know, you, you're in a relationship with a person and they're like overstepping their boundaries. Like you got to reassert your boundaries, right? I mean, it's, it's something that you naturally do. You assert your boundaries with people. Like, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of people that are, especially in the modern day, have you know through their you know parenting or lack of it and stuff like that they they really don't understand like boundaries personal boundaries and stuff like that and i've know of people too that like the way they live their lives and they're always complaining about somebody getting one over them or taking advantage of them and stuff like that And it's like well it's because you're you're not setting boundaries with people you know they've this particular individual that i have in mind i'm not going to say who they are but it's like i've been over at their house and like they have like um they live in this uh a government housing situation and they have like people that are neighbors they don't even really know them that well and they just walk right in their front door hey what dvds you got in here let me check out what you got they walked in the door and it didn't knock it's like what the fuck you know it's like What's going on here? It's like you haven't established any boundaries with anybody in your area. They just walk into your house, interrupt your conversation that you're sitting there having and um, start going through your personal belongings and then ask if they can use your uh, uh, clothes washer. I mean, your washing machine. And and, and, but like with like not really asked, it's basically saying, yeah, I'm going to, you know, use your washing. it's like, yeah, no, no boundaries being established whatsoever. It's like, and then, but see, the same person will complain about this nonstop. All this such and such did this and such and such. Well, you you don't set any boundaries with anybody, so. And uh, same with the government. We complain about the government. We complain about this and that. It's like, well, yeah, have you established any boundaries with these fucking buffoons that you're dealing with? People don't want to go
1: to the Met. People do not want to go to the Met. They
3: don't want to complain. Yeah, but you got to. There's no choice. Yeah, well, if if
2: now you, don't you like the direction shoes, things are to, headed,
3: pick. it's like you, we don't have a choice. You got to set boundaries, and it feels good to do it too, and it's the right thing to do. That's the thing, about right? But but
1: carefully, carefully selecting the circumstances.
3: But the battle's yeah, like the terrain. Like, I think is it's like jujitsu, though. It's like you right. Here's the uh, thing: you don't have the firepower that your adversary has. Definitely, I mean, they can usually your not. Life. Yeah, they can ruin your life. I mean, really you in a bag and people know that yeah so you go into this mindset that like i have a right you know to set boundaries and i have a right not to be violated um but i know that this individual that i'm dealing with is under under this perceived idea of being part of this status cult That they have every right to do what they're doing. But see, you need to ask the right questions and to undermine that belief enough to where it makes them uncomfortable enough where they just don't want to deal with you. They want the compliant individual to come in there so they could fleece you. They could shear you like sheep. They don't want the bucking, the the one ramping up, bucking up against the chute. They don't want to deal with that.
1: That kind of resistance is an art form, (laughs)
3: okay? It is an art form. It is an an art art form. form. It's it's something that's got to be practiced, and I am not an ex. I think I'm pretty good at it, but this is because I've dealt with this shit my whole life.
1: The practice makes perfect every time. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
3: I mean... So, like I said, almost fifty. I'm almost fifty years old, and then I've dealt with courts and bullshit my whole life. And I was in the military for six years, and it was like I was in boot camp, and it was like, okay, this is see it, seen it for what it was. It was which which a you were in the army exercise. or no, I went in the navy. The navy, okay. And you get. First hand experience with like what, what kind of, what a, what a, what a brainwashing operation in its, in its, in all its glory, where it's, you know, it's, mm. it's right, right out, right out in front of you. And then you're like, you, you could really, if you're perceptive at all, you see what you could see right through it. And then you see how this game, this game is played. This is sort of this game. And, um, you, uh, yeah, you, you, you learn pretty quick but you know, some people of course never learn they never learn and uh you know a lot of times the system just grinds them up but um yeah if you
1: what what about people who convince themselves that they're successfully gaming the system they know it's rotten but they're gaming it because it's the best deal they can get you you see a lot of those right
3: well that's uh, an important point because that's A lot of times what you're going to be dealing with, especially you go before like a DA or something like that, they know that it's a scam on some level. But see, here's my approach. It's like I don't go into it with this attitude that, dude, I know you're a scammer. I know that you're a low life scum or whatever. It's not that. It's like I go in there with the position that like I don't know this guy. I don't know his life story. I don't know how he ended up where he's at. I don't know what's I don't I'm not inside his head. I don't know. And and what kind of intentions that he has and how he conducts himself. I'm not I'm not the judge. I don't want to be judged here and I don't want to be a judge. I want to be I want to set a I want to I'm I'm having to deal with these individuals and I want to establish a boundary somewhere. And And that's what I'm trying to do. So the way uh, the way that I approach it is like, well, you know, you're making this claim against me. You need to explain it and make it coherent so that it can be understood with, you know, logic and, and, uh, you know, common sense.
1: Yeah, you'll be told at that point. You'll be told at that point that they're under no obligation to make sense at all and that uh, occupying the status of a slave. You're to do what you're told without question.
3: Right. Yeah. But okay, that may well be what it comes down to. But see, my objective really, when I you know, any anytime I've had dealings with them is to get them to take that position to where it's like, okay, you need, Mr. Kendall, you need to do what we tell you, or we're going to, you know, lock you up or we're going to <laughs> levy a fine on you. And it's like, yeah, I understand that. So we're so okay, now we're past all this work right. salad and all this mumbo right. jumbo. And now we have we have this true we we've defined our relationship and that's where we can like we we could define we start we can define the boundaries they can still overstep the boundary of course at any time but it's like we've defined it and we know where we're at so oh basically what you're telling me is like you're going to act violently against me if I don't do it oh okay well that's real clear isn't it and so it's like oh so I'm standing before uh, a thug just like if you're out on the street and you got you got like a couple of like um teenage thugs with baseball bats what is there to de- to debate with them there is no debate you know but what
1: if they're wearing what if they're wearing uniforms and have warrants well
3: that's <laughs> okay. you're worse off really but right. you know, with a thug, you can get away, you can run, you can, you know, you could maybe fight them off. Or, you know, maybe you, you got a gun on you, and it's going to be a uh, two baseball bats against a you know forty-five caliber pistol, or any scenario like that. But yeah, with cops, you you, you know you don't have you have your options are, of course, a lot more limited. But um, yeah, but if there's, the nothing, there's nothing. The
1: gangsters are in the driver's seat. The gangsters yeah, are in yeah. the
3: driver's seat. So there's definitely nothing to debate with a cop. If the cop pulls you over, there's no, nothing to debate with them. It's like, not only are they in the position of, yeah, on, in one respect, they're, they're like, they're like gangsters and they're part of the biggest gang going, you know, so you got to keep that in mind. So there's nothing to to debate and there's no, nothing that you're going to instruct them about the law. Like, so the, the, but you know, it's like back to defining boundaries. It's like, what, what, what is the nature of our relationship here, Mr. Officer? So you're telling me that I got to give you ID. Well, from my understanding, if I'm not doing anything wrong, I'm not committing a crime. Like you have no right to ask for that. But since you're insistent on, you know, that I hand you my ID, my question for you is like, so like you're telling me that if I don't give you an ID, you're going to put me in jail, officer. And then it's like, yeah, you go from there. If he could say, yeah, I'm going to put you in jail and you don't really want to go to jail. Yeah. You just hand him your ID. That's all there is to it. It's not, you're not going to, and you're not going to change his mind if he's, if he's got this mindset that like he has the right to do what he's doing to you. But, um, yeah, but then, you know, you have a right to question the whole nature of your relationship with this man and this. Costume, and then you know what what I, what I'm trying to do is just like um, well see, I don't argue with cops, so I don't like that, that's my position like if I were to be in a situation where like you'll see in these videos or if I'm, if I might have been out filming something or asking questions or something like that, and then like they approach me and say, Oh, you have no right to film' I said, well, I think that I do. Well, you need to turn that off. And then, then my next question would be, oh, so you're saying that you'll, you know, you'll throw me in jail if I don't, because I don't want to go to jail. That's the question. That's the real question I think people should be asking. It's like, oh, you're saying this is against the law and then I'm violating law and I can go to jail for it. Is what you're saying. You got to make them say that. You got to oh, make rip, them you Right.
1: You want to rip off, off the mask and show that show the coercive character yeah.
3: of the state. Yeah. Basically, yeah, I think that's the, that's the place to start, you know. But um, yeah, well, it's just you know establishing boundaries and defining the nature of the relationship there. It's like these yeah, things are gonna not your friend. Different. You know, they're not there to chat you up and chit chat and talk about you know how the how's your day going and all that. It's like no, when they're engaging you and talking to you. Their, their whole intent, you know, the part of their job, what they perceive their job to be is to put you in jail. So they start asking you questions. Well, where are you coming from? Where are you going? What's, what's in your car? Can I take a look? And blah, blah, blah. They're fishing. They're on a fishing expedition. That's, that's, that's what it's called. Now they'll deny that. I brought that out in court last, that one time I was in court. I said, well, you know, it's, you know, you're on a fishing expedition. You're looking for things to so like, tried to bust me on. It's like, you were disappointed that my, my ashtray didn't have a marijuana cigarette in it. So I can go to jail. And so that's why you come down hard on me about my tag being inspired, right officer. And it's like, Oh no, that's not it at all. I said, yeah, okay. But that, yeah, that's not correct. But, um, I've been, to
1: I've been, that been through out. the fourth amendment business about what constitutes an unreasonable search or whether they have probable cause. I, I've been through that event. Yeah, so, yeah it, you're uh, right. It can get very tense. They can get very threatening.
3: It's not that I believe in the Constitution, but I believe that they believe in it to some degree. And then some individuals you're going to run into that are so-called law enforcement. They're going to take it more seriously than others.
1: Well, your best bet usually is to exit the car lo- and lock it behind you and then shove the key in your back pocket. Then, but but if you nowadays out here if you get out of your if you're stopping for traffic stop and you get out of your car they regard that as a threatening i mean you're supposed to sit in your car with your hands on the. you know
3: what i do when i get pulled over i get my papers my id i get my proof of insurance i get my registration i get it in my hand i put my hands on the steering wheel and i keep them there right until they get up to the vehicle how you doing How's it going? Here's my shit. What did I do? Oh, I ran. Oh, I made an illegal U-turn. I said, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're right, officer. I certainly did. And I don't argue. You know why? Because he's standing there with a gun. And Mm -hmm. he's got a radio and he's got backup. and, and, And there's no point in arguing with him. He pulled you over. Because in his mind, he has the right to pull you over and then initiate this process, which is this. Well, this, he's actually caught expedition. you,
1: you know, in a traffic. Yeah. Uh, he caught you in a traffic thing.
3: The... You got alcohol in your breath, and then you could take it a step further, and then it's a DUI thing, and that's more money in the courts and all that. It's like, all it's all on one level. It's, it's a business, Amendment you know? thing, but... but, but yeah, you know, if I go talking about how I'm a sovereign citizen and I don't need you know, registration on my car or something like that. Is that – how far is that going to get you? All
1: yeah, that yeah, that's kind of a – yeah, you're real. that's a more – I don't want to say aggressive, but it's a more, uh, you know, direct form of resistance then. And then they're going to – that's up in the ante, you know. You start, you know – or perhaps not having the standard uh, license, whatever, because, you know, you don't – you don't support – you're not subject to the, to their definition of a 14th Amendment citizen and all that. You know, and you go back to our – you become that Article 4 citizen thing, uh, which I guess you could do maybe in a place oh, like California. Oh, that
3: is right. so much bull that I yeah, – I, I wish you'd
1: kind I, of – have you have you really – have you done a, a breakdown of that at all? Cause
3: of <laughs> sovereign citizen stuff? Yeah, I've talked about that yeah. a lot. But um, I think I gotta it's go absolute back and garbage. Look. I think the law is absolutely arbitrary. Right. Um, it's not. It's not real. Uh, if it was real, then you know you would see cops writing each other tickets for you know seatbelt infractions because everybody's got to fall the wall, right? That doesn't happen. They they escort their buddy home when they get. I mean, there's videos on YouTube where you can see like the cop is like the law. so out of it, drunk that he can't even. He doesn't even know where he is. And then his buddies stop, and they're like, what do we got here? Oh, this guy's, you know, obviously drunk. Oh, who is it? Oh, it's one of our fellow officers. Well, what are we going to do? Oh, we'll give him a ride home. You know, it's like, it's like, no, do you go to jail like everybody else? No, you go to escort home. But, yeah, like, that's so typical. I mean, they you know, so if they're doing that, and there's all this video evidence of it out there, I know for a fact they don't write each other seatbelt tickets. So they're above, they see themselves as not, Citizens, not not subject to the law, obviously. So, okay, if at that level your lowly cop, your average everyday cop, is above the law, what do you think about judges? And then, what do you think about the Secretary of State? They're absolutely above the law. Generals, well, but there the it is—you have the head. You have the head, you have the head the of the FBI. Yeah, the head of the FBI above law. coming
1: head out of the and saying. too. he, he, he comes out and says, "Well, yeah, we have violations of the." Of the law here but uh not sufficient to uh prosecute
3: in other words well yeah, if they wanted to the they law. could if they don't want to they don't have to that's the thing about Why it tell it's us like
2: that? super Why tell us?
3: uh if anybody does know that at that point they're pretty much right. out of it i mean they're just not gonna ever get it but yeah but it's like yeah that's the oh it's just a matter of fact it's like it's always, it's always has been and always will be selectively enforced. And, um, like this book I'm reading now about it's three felonies a day. It's kind of goes into the court system. It's a pretty interesting book. Of course, I don't agree with this guy's overall position about the courts and stuff like that because he's, he's basically making a case. Oh, it's, it's, it's got corrupt over the years. I'm like, no, it's always been that. my position. It's always been this way. But, he he talks about how the law is selectively enforced and all these, um, you have so many codes and regulations and stuff that are federal that there's no like, there's no standard anymore that used to be under this thing called common law where you have to like have a injured party and all that. It's like that we're so far past that. It's like, you know, and then like, you know, the talking about the different instances where, the, 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 these laws are being enforced, but it's, it's, it's for political motives. It's like, yeah, that's always been the case. It's like, you, if anybody thinks that the law is consistently enforced or every has been, I don't, I don't think they know anything about the law, but you, yeah, it's, it's a tool of control. That's what it is. And then it's like, but, and you see that, and, and it's no more clear than with police. It's obviously a tool of control. It's not, it's not this objective standard that's being adhered to in any way, shape or form. It's like, if, if you can find all these examples or where they're not applying the law to themselves, yeah, it certainly doesn't apply higher up in the government. It's certainly not. So when you see like a, like a, a district attorney or somebody that, that goes, gets up on charges and go to jail, you can pretty much guarantee that there's some political angle being worked and then they're being, they're being they're being thrown under the bus, so to speak. That—that's what you're looking at. Not—not not because they're enforcing the law on their own. It's because there's some there's 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 a power play going on there, and then somebody gets thrown under the bus. So it's like, um, yeah, these instances, a,
1: yeah. these these occasions are worth exploring, though. In other words, where you see them throw each other under the bus or throw underlings under the bus, it's worthwhile exploring that. I think, and laying the details out for people because it shows <laughs> how the thing is structured. It
2: shows the yeah. character
3: of it. But, you know, there'll be, there's examples in this book where people are brought up on charges that, you know, are are things that are commonplace in politics. You know, it's like, you know, this, uh, oh, lobbying or whatever you call it, that's commonplace. It's like, I mean, that's, by any other definition be called bribery, but it's, it's, it's accepted. And then even this guy says it in this book, he says, this is commonplace accepted part of American modern politics this is like this, uh, favor trading. And, and it you're goes familiar.
1: On. You're familiar with the case of Ohio congressman, late Ohio congressman, James Trafficant, who's, you know, um, you know, became well-known, uh, you know, stood up on the, in the well of the house and, uh, denounced NAFTA as a sellout. And it, it basically was sort of a thorn in the side of the democratic party establishment. And then they managed to catch him on something and send him away for a few years. Have you ever, have you looked at that kind of situation?
3: Oh, where yeah, he got, he got, uh, sent up the river and he's, um, yeah, well, I, the, I, I mean, used to listen to stuff he said. I think he's been on Alex Jones and stuff, too. Uh.
1: You know, his claim his claim was that his real trouble started when he came to the defense of a steel worker who lived mm-hmm. in his district named John Demianyuk, who was accused of being uh, Ivan the Terrible at, at some camp during the war.
3: Oh, okay.
1: And uh, he went all the way to Israel, basically, to... to this guy's case before the Israeli Supreme Court, and they said, yeah, it's a, it's a case of identity mix-up. We got the wrong guy. But apparently, he really antagonized the Zionist establishment and the hierarchy in the Democratic Party there, and they were determined to destroy him. So they, they found something, and it may have been, I don't know, someone was doing a favor for him or something like that, but you're right. It was probably something that was really ordinary and typical, but they managed to, to single him out, or... You know, I think about another one would be um, um, this one who who was uh, just slipped my mind. But there's another congressman who who was sort of sent up the river. Well, how about uh, well, what about out there in Illinois? Uh, Bly, Bly, what's his name again? The former governor out there who uh, basically was selling Obama's Senate seat. Uh Blagojevich, Blagojevich, Blagojevich—what's his name?
3: Yeah, Blagojevich or something.
1: Yeah, Blagojevich. Got it real difficult to pronounce his name. Yeah, I mean they really—they sent him up the river. But you know, you wonder—these guys are not going to blow the whistle on the whole setup, are they? In other words, in, in gangster world, you keep your mouth shut, or you know, maybe you never get out.
3: Yeah and then um I'm not that familiar with that case but yeah he's Lago- selling a Senate seat. That's
1: his name Lagoyevich
3: <laughs> And then you know I remember hearing about that and what he allegedly did and all that and I was thinking oh like that doesn't take place all the time like he's the first person to do that so yeah it's obviously right, yes. obviously a, a case of which is probably in the overwhelming majority the case anytime you hear something like that yeah it's it's selective enforcement of the law so probably something he did was very commonplace. He probably thought nothing of it. And then, um, he gets, they get, um, oh, oh they, st- they launch an investigation. So they might have been like digging into his, um, you know, background for, you know, maybe years, you know, whatever. And then they, well you know, slowly build a case against him and then take him out. But it's, yeah, it's politically motivated. It's not, uh, actually, it has nothing to do with him violating the law, quote unquote.
1: Most of these figures wouldn't even have gotten as far as they, for the most part, as far as they have have risen as far as they have in, in the political theater, if they weren't already seriously compromised by either bribery or blackmail or indebtedness or maybe they have a gambling addiction or maybe there's a drug problem or.
2: Oh well, yeah. You
3: know, well, if you think about it, the way it's set up, it's all about making alliances, right? And and the more alliances you can make, the more sway you have in politics, the more leverage you have, the more powerful you are. So that facilitates this sort of um, fertile ground for conspiracy, doesn't
1: it? Well, this tells us who Donald Trump is, or that that is. So it's it's more than just the entertainment thing. I mean, he only became an entertainment icon. Uh, At sort of the tail end of it, but prior to that, there's a long career, you know, uh, basically studying uh, with Roy Cohn, who is a top mob lawyer in New York City for decades and uh, doing real estate business in New York City and uh, gambling casino, the whole gambling casino scene uh, in Atlantic City. Obviously, Trump is networked in very deep and and he's been sort of delegated to play a role in all of this to kind of capture this ferment out of the last kind of the last holdout the last nationalist resistance to global to complete globalization it, 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 the idea is for Trump to kind of capture that and keep it plugged into the system somehow now what, what's going to happen when they tell these people well, I'm sorry you're all going to have to go home without any victory and how they respond to that and you know, you know i i think it could ra- end up radicalizing a lot of people i don't know that they just necessarily move on cuz a lot of these people this is like their last hurrah you know when it comes to elections and the political in the political party system in general trump somebody like trump once they're no longer plugged in well you know maybe as you say they'll just drop out into hopeless apathy but on the other hand who knows, who knows what, what direction they could turn in, and whether that, whether that could, you know, sort of congeal in anything. But I know you're, you're highly skeptical of sort of group efforts or anything that smacks of mass movement because it can be so easily manipulated or contrived or false flagged. And um, you like the more, the individual or the small group model of resistance, I guess you're, you're preferring that. Is that your strategic approach to this?
3: Oh, I don't really have a any kind of a strategy or anything. It's just, right you know, it's like everybody. I mean, in one sense, I mean, we're all individuals. We got to decide what we want to do. And yeah, anytime I, 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 I an come out of organization, it's going to be. um Co-opted, of course, yeah it's gonna, that's yeah, I mean, gonna yeah, yeah,
1: you have to understand, I, I come out of this experience of the anti-war demonstrations of the late 1960s and early 70s That's where that's you know what I mean now, you can say that they were in fact staged, but these things were huge. I mean, you know, we brought about a half a million people to d c we shut down washington d c They had to bring in the National guard, you know the, the bridges were shut down, we sat in on the bridges. it was a big deal. Well, it they were going of- to do
3: that, um, uh, it was a couple of years ago. They are going to have a trucker demonstration on Washington, D.C., and they were going to shut Washington, D.C. down. But then they had the controlled opposition guy that come on there and um, organize the whole thing and abscond with all the money that was used to organize the whole thing, and then that whole thing just kind of fell apart. But, uh, yeah, that's what happens, any kind of organization thing. And they have a front man, so they have a charismatic, Guy that talks a lot of, you know, good talking points and then people latch on to them, cult of the personality shit. And because, you know, people want a leader and they want somebody to tell them what to do. And then that's, that's our uh, weak point. Cause I think it's, that's part of conditioning too. I mean, we've been conditioned. Look at films. I mean, it's always like the the leader that comes in and kind of, you know, saves the town like, uh, outlaw Josie wills. I mean, like, what is it? Clint Eastwood movie. He goes in and he, the the town is under assault by this criminal gang. And he comes in and takes them all on single handedly, but then he kind of rallies the people uh, to help him out. But, you know, it's like, yeah, the kind of, the, the, the savior kind of rides in, into town. And, um, and then everybody's to kind of rally behind him. Like, yeah, Ron Paul. Now it's Donald Trump. And then before that, it was uh, Ross Perot. And then it was like, yeah, they've had a series of these uh, savior figures that will come in and then get everybody's in, worked up into a lather, get their hopes up, get the rally behind them. And then, yeah, they just. Um,
1: yeah, Trump has been Trump, I believe, has been packaged as a messianic figure to many people. Because you, you see all these attestations to, about his character, you know, oh, great family man.
3: Yeah, some and, kind of uh, an archetype. So yeah. like, uh, this is what what people like is the, uh, um, not not somebody that's introspective and kind of reserved or anything like that. They want the fucking blowhard that knows everything that goes out to, <laughs> and then they'll they'll hitch your wagon, these motherfuckers, and they lead them right off the cliff every fucking time, every time. <laughs> Anybody who's, who's kind of reserved, kind of introspective and stuff like that, like in this culture, you you don't get any, any kind of respect or recognition. It's like, oh, well, if you're not running your fucking yap or nonstop, then you must not know shit. No, it's like they're thanking, but you know, it's like, well, you have the expression too, like watch out for the quiet types. Well, yeah, that's true. It's in, well, you know. But then like what does the Bible say? The meek will inherit the earth?
1: Yeah, so they told that, us that didn't they?
3: Well, that's what we were told, but um is, is there a truth to that? It's like um and then you know, as we're talking and like how many people are out there are these quiet types around that are, you know, laying low and that uh have their hands on the uh wheelwork, the the levers and they talk about these you know, IT people and these people out there that like, you know, hackers. always been the quiet, always been kind of the nerd, always kind of the reserve, never say much, hackers and shit. And it's like, yeah. yeah, I mean, what is, and they'll show that in these, well, there's this Mr. Robot series that's out. It's pretty interesting.
1: Their infrastructure um, is, their infrastructure is very fragile, very well, fragile.
3: It is true. I think mean, there's a lot of truth in that series. It's like you have this. System now that is that is like very technical, technological and all that. And only certain like types are kind of will be inclined to get into like being programmers and stuff like that, hackers, hacker culture and all that stuff like that. And um, so so now it is true that the system is so heavily dependent on this class of people that were before, you know, dismissed as the nerd the you know the social outcasts, the people that you know didn't didn't get any attention or didn't seem to be a valuable and, so, and now it's like, oh well, they got their they got their fingers... they got their hands on the liver or you know, the control of the of the thing they could bring the shit down and it's like that's true they could bring the whole thing come tumbling down if like enough of them got together and got got serious so this is a like,
1: demographic nice. demographic sector that has. A power far, an influence far out of proportion to its its mere linear
3: numbers, yeah, because the,
1: of where where they're leveraged,
3: where they're placed. And they're, who are these people? You know, what is their bent? You know, as far as what they, I mean, it's like, uh, so so nothing is nothing is a done deal. I don't think, as far as, as the way things, there's are always a black, swan,
1: there's there's always a black swan out there. Always statistically,
3: well, yeah, who, who knows? I mean, like, um, but uh, yeah, is it is it pretty much, um, as far as the uh plans of the elite, so to speak, or the Illuminati or whatever you call them, is, are they pretty much set to where nothing can be done or there won't be any, any kind of uh something to overturn the uh
1: well some of them are clearly over committed in a place like the middle east or in ukraine they're overextended and they've lost and now they're going to have to figure out how to how to how to cut their losses so yeah i think there's real things going on here because i think they're up against other forces who um you know other gang other gangs if you will rival gangs and the latest agreements between the Russians and the Chinese and the EU that basically sort of edges out NATO, uh, the, the possibility that the Turks could def- could defect from NATO and cut their own deal with the Russians, this could happen. This could happen, and that would have a very dramatic effect here in the United States. You know, thing if you know if we become diplomatically isolated enough, who knows? You could see heads roll. Somebody's got to be blamed for that kind of failure. You know, someone's got to hang for it. And there's plenty of candidates for that. There are plenty of people who certainly deserve to be hanged. So, you know, whether they're hanged for the actual crimes they committed or whether they're simply blamed for... There's a saying of um, success has a thousand fathers, but failure is an orphan... It's that kind of thing. Anyway, I mm-hmm. I guess I have nothing more. I have nothing more to add, so I'm kind of going to bail out here and leave the last, the final few minutes for you to summarize. I guess.
3: Well, I appreciate you coming on, Lynn. Right? Yeah, I I I really appreciate the points that
1: you raise, and uh, you have a different view of it than I have, but it's it's always worth listening to, and. And also, I hope you can get some more. I, I I wanted to actually kind of miss the opportunity to talk about the punk that the history of punk rock that was presented by uh, was it John Adams, your other your other guests who went into the whole you know social and cultural engineering of the punk rock scene. And I had a few observations to make about that because I did kind of live through it. But
3: uh, <laughs> well, we I got it tr- set up for uh, for Thursday to. To get that uh, that one in the in the hopper, yeah, it's uh, yeah we already did one, but then like I was talking about earlier, we had to scrap it because of all the technical issues that we ran into.
1: I look forward uh, I look forward to the to the follow up on that because it's kind of consistent with what John Irvin and um Joe Atwill have done with uh, manufacturing the deadhead and all that. It kind of you know, it's it's on a continuum with that, isn't it, really? You guys are destroying the whole counterculture that it was like it was a substance of my life for so many years and now it's like being shredded as nothing but a like we were lab rats in it basically in a social engineering project. I mean, is that it? Is that the bottom line on it? The music, the drugs, the, the counterculture, the whole thing was just we were nothing but an experiment.
3: Right. That's... I mean, that's the conclusion I come to. I mean, even though I do... uh, I I listen to a lot of different kinds of music and I listen to like stuff that I guess would fall in the category of punk rock. And I've... I played in bands and... um, You know, so it's... You know, there's... Yeah. There's that sort of uh, emotional, uh, nostalgic kind of twinge of feeling for that stuff. But then, you know, it's like... Well, didn't kind of always kind of suspect that from the beginning. You yeah, know, it's like
1: yeah, yeah. I, I don't idea. like the idea of being played. I don't like the idea that somebody else is is that that in the matter of culture and art and taste that I, that people might be deluded into thinking they're they're making their own choices when really others are making these choices for them.
3: That's yeah, it's the kind of a hard. That's kind of a hard. Yeah, rankled, you know, that's kind of Yeah, spoonful of anyway. uh, Yeah,
1: thank you for your your efforts as always, and for the website and all the work that you guys do. Well,
3: I appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your thoughts, and that was that was a good discussion. I think I I enjoy it.
0: Have a good one. All
3: right, you too. Oh, looks like we got uh. People still in the chat here. Adam Miller's still here. Brian Staples is here. Julie DeBronte K still here. Kmod's still here. Lost Reality Radio, Model Sodium 42, Papa Cat, SciGirl, and Wanda Wanda. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, I think Brian said he wanted to call in. He was trying to get his, uh, his hardware situated. Um, let's see. Yeah, what did we talk about? Well, kind of like the... What would he encapsulate or summarize? Oh, the idea of movements. Political movements. Yeah, what have those have always kind of worked out to be? Yeah, like uh, the hippie movement and all that. Social experiment, social... Control and manipulation and the music, the culture, the ideas, the shifting of the, uh, attitudes towards things. And then people have this idea that that was sort of a grassroots effort that kind of brought all that about. Uh, in some respects, I think it's true. In other respects, it's, it's top down. Social control that you're seeing that's played out, and uh, not that it involves real people and real sentiments, their real feelings, are real, and then you know they see as it's some sort of a outlet for that. That's like a lot of this stuff that we're that's given to us to follow will be designed and crafted to, uh, yeah, resonate push people's buttons and, uh, yeah, but I think a lot of people that listen to these audios, this type of material, this type of stuff, or you kind of just know that, you know, you see something out there. It's getting this promotion. It's getting this attention that, um, yeah, it's getting attention for a reason. Even though the way that it's presented is as if this thing, this movement or this idea has, um, represents some opposition to the system. And, but then it turns out that no, that was manipulation within the system by the people who run the system in order to bring about certain societal changes. That don't work out for the best. No, like the hippie culture and the sex, drugs and rock and roll. Did that work out for the best? Absolutely not. It did not. Uh, you have people around today that are still like totally enamored with that period in history, like the sixties counterculture movement. Oh yeah. Still people that are like locked into that era. They still, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk. Uh, so hippies became yuppies, became whatever they are now. And that ideal is still hanging on. It's still alive and it's manifesting itself in different ways. Um, but then, yeah, what do you, uh, How do you interpret all this stuff? You know, so just, oh, dismiss it all as just nonsense and bull crap. Well, anybody's been listening to me long enough, kind of will probably get the impression that's where I'm coming from. But, uh, yeah, I, but that does that mean, oh, well, there's no hope for any kind of change or anything. It's like, well, I don't know. I haven't been around on the planet long enough to know what. Could happen or couldn't happen, or w- what's happened in the past? Because I think a lot of the history is just a lot of it is just totally distorted. It's still, a lot of it's solely made up. So, um, of course, they would want to want us to have this view. Of oh, well you know, this is the way all, this is a linear progression, a logical linear progression from point A to point B. And this is how civilization is shaped up. And this, we're, we're, we're here today because that's, that's the way the you know, things pan out. And then, uh, and that's the way it's always been like that. And then, you know, it's like there's never been any kind of really true, uh, shift in thought. Spontaneously from the ground up. I don't, uh, I, I, I don't know that that's true, but, um, yeah, I, uh, think though, it's good to, um, be in a position where you're not devoting your thought and your energy and your, getting stressed out over things that are fictions that are invented by people with the sole intent to manipulate you. I don't want to be manipulated. I don't want to be uh, expending my thought energy or any kind of energy on fake, hoaxed things or adopting mindsets or belief systems that are founded on fake, hoax stuff uh that's why i don't believe in science uh the scientific establishment or whatever it's it's a it's a cult america is a cult and um politics is the cult of personality that's what it is so you're you're given a leader and you're expected to follow it and people do they follow the leader and uh Who's leading the leader? That's the question. That's the question. But uh, yeah. But the this whole idea may sound quaint, or or something that's just kind of a slogan or catchphrase, or some some pie in the sky idea, like all the all the it, 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 the power is in the hands of the average person. In reality. Is that true? I think that's true. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. I don't think I'd bother doing a podcast or anything if I didn't think that was true. But, uh, yeah, and what we talked about earlier with the money and uh, was Brazil, right? So they, they shifted their belief. They tied it to some other fictional construct, and that made things better. So that's that's telling you that um, just a shift in mindset can change things for the better. I mean, they had these economists to come in and help help them out with that. And it worked. What was it based on? It was based on a belief. And it turned out to be uh, beneficial. And that's how easy it is. That's how easy it is. But uh, what do you base this belief? Or what's the foundation or what's the found founding principle? Well, I, I think it's got to be something that is congruent with the law, so-called laws of nature. And it's got to defer to the natural order of things. Because I think the problem now is that the people who run this system... And a lot of people are to participate it think this is the natural order of things and it's not the natural order of things. So that's far from it. Uh what do I mean by the natural order of things? Well, you have to figure that out, right? Like what is the natural order of things? What what works and what doesn't? I mean th- some things are just really self evident. Other things aren't so much. So, you get into stuff about, um oh, well, what is it better to have the nuclear family or the extended family or to have just sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and everybody just bed down with everybody else, and we have it just a free-for-all, orgies, and now that's something that's that I heard now is like a big trend thing of parties, orgies, people participating in these things now, and it's becoming more and more of a socially acceptable thing. Where before it was like, no, nah, we even really talked about it. Oh, that's the way to go. Oh, then that, that represents freedom and that's gonna be work out to everybody who being happier being more kind of adjusted and, and settled and have a peace of mind and uh you know a a better life. It's like, uh because no, that's not in line with nature. I think what's in line with nature is what you see in so called primitive cultures where it's just, um, you know, you have the family bonds, they extended family, and then there's a, there's a coherent bonding that takes place and there's a male and female and they have children and then they have a established order that is established by nature, by the creator. And we're so far from that that it, we're seeing the, the repercussions and like it's like there's a there's a quote that says um yeah nature nature doesn't make laws it just has consequences and it's like yeah we're seeing consequences consequences the fallout the you know the all the product of these single parent households that you know go into crime and they go into all kinds of um destructive dysfunctional behaviors well that's that begun that that started with the breakdown of the family and then um, you know does that get addressed when you were dealing with this political theater does anybody go to the core of the issue which is like you know let's look at what the underpinnings of our society and culture are well it's the family and um, that used to be a talking point like during the 90s but see that's been vilified and then um, what you're suggesting there, if you talk about the, you know, the, the family is the nuclear family, the construct of the organization, man, and stuff that was in the, you know, that came about in the fifties, which was, a, you know, a flawed premise. And then, uh, so that was a step though, to what we get to the, you know, brave new world scenario, which, uh, what we're headed toward, but, uh, yeah, is it, is that nature is that natural? No, it's artificial. The artific- brave new world's art- is an artificial uh system um, that's not that's not a uh a desirable goal to achieve what's depicted in the book brave new world not at all uh were people happy well that's you know that's what it said in the book well they were drugged out of their mind and had unlimited sex and it was um I guess people will think that that's how they could be happy, but in reality, no, not in reality. But, um, yeah, so politics doesn't address that. It's theater doesn't address any of the core issues that, uh, would actually make a more functional, better society. Cause that even has become sort of like, um, off off the talking points like yeah what about family and the you know breakdown and destruction of the family what 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 can be done about it i don't hear much talk about it anymore but um yeah now it now it's the uh social justice and all those crusades to well everybody's got to we've got to be inclusive so we got to take every deviancy that has arisen from the fallout of the sex drug and drugs and rock and roll culture of the hippie area and then we gotta lend legitimacy and credence to that so everybody feels included. So we go further down the uh primrose path here to oblivion with all this shit. And uh that's where we're going now. Um but uh yeah that's uh synonymous though with freedom though. Like oh yeah you gotta get out of the woman's womb can't have uh any restriction on abortion. Well, that's that's the byproduct of the of the uh sex, drugs, and rock and roll of the hippie movement. The fifty, we're still dealing with the repercussions of that. So now they got to deal with the consequences, and then you know, it it becomes problematic, and they have problems everywhere. But um, no, so I'm sort of rambling on. seeing a given time for anybody else to want to call in but it's actually getting close to uh, yeah the call limitations and thanks everybody for coming out that's the music that's the music dot <laughs> dot yeah check out hoaxbusterscall.com oh Brian. uh, technical issues. Well, um, if you want to, man, yeah, try to, try to call in with your cell phone. I'll hang out here for a few more minutes. Um, yeah, if you want to just call next week, yeah, I can do that too. Yeah. So we'll just wrap it up and yeah, Brian, call back in next week, man. Um, Bop, 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 Oh, yeah, thanks for stopping by. I haven't heard from Brian for a while. Yeah, it'd be cool if he calls in next, next Monday. Um, yeah, check out hoaxbusterscall.com. And, yeah. If you get pulled over by the cops, just do what they tell you. Don't argue. Like... Resist in court. I think that's the best way. So you can have like a a venue where like you know other people can be around. Like you're out in a dark street and it's like cops there and it's just you and the coppers. Don't argue. Oh, looks like uh, S California. Let me uh, put the music on hold for a minute. See who's calling in. S, California. You're on the air. Here I am. How's it going?
4: It's going well. What were you talking about tonight?
3: Oh, we were talking about... uh Politics and, like, you think that uh, things can come out, actual real change can come out of, like, political movements or, or- organizations. Before that, I was talking about, I, I was just going into s- stuff that was on the blog, and uh, I talked about that. Did before. you go over did you cover the Carol Quigley quote? Uh, did I even ever get to that? I don't even think I even ever got to that. That's
4: Yeah, I, a good just, one. Yeah, I just had an email from a listener. Um, and he emailed both of us. Good. Uh-huh. Right, was and, an accident, I mean. He was... He was, and I responded, but um, he was making the point that it was irrelevant to bring that up because the technology is not real, right? And I responded to him just, well, the nukes are not real. And I responded to him, don't worry about that. uh, chapter two pages are in, and uh-huh. I emailed you this early uh, yesterday. Um, that entire chapter basically proves that nukes are fake.
3: Yeah, I got to go right.
4: re- read that. <laughs> I mean, it is hilarious. It is a laughable story, and what's funny is I was talking about this with Jay Dyer. Is it? Quigley's tone actually comes across as slightly like like he's in disbelief. I don't know. It's just me. But after rereading that, I was thinking, I'm all, I don't even think he believes this story. But um, anyways, yeah, it, it's actually, um, it is relevant uh, whether the technology is real or not because uh, how many decades were people was the bejesus scared out of people, uh, with the nukes spies and the Russians are going to get the nukes mm-hmm.
3: well, and the then cold to come cold War out War era. 50 some odd years, right. right? So regardless
4: whether the technology is real or not, those stories were all fake. <laughs>
3: Well, they wouldn't be fake if it was real, you know, then all of that would be true. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was, uh, even at somebody, even though what quickly say he had access to documents and stuff that he had, he had privileged access to these documents. So he says, which I don't, I, I think it's probably true. Um, you know, he, he, he's probably not that unusual as far as like his position. I think there's probably like, probably a lot of these people around that have more access to m- more truth, you know, than the average person, like a, like a Brzezinski guy probably would, or, or like, you know, something like Kissinger probably would stuff like that. Like he's, he's kind of on that level. So even even that said, I, I think they even are in the dark about certain things. So, yeah, he might have been examining this stuff, but still be in the dark about nukes being fake. Yeah, I agree. But then exposing it in kind of an offhanded way, you know. Yeah,
4: so what, were you just about to close up shop?
3: Yeah, let's see where we're at on the recording. Uh, Three hours and 20 minutes. Oh yeah, you better close it down. Yeah, I think, uh, so we're on for uh, Thursday, right? Yes, we are. All right, cool, man.
2: cool
4: all right well well I will uh, I'll be waiting for the for it to be uploaded so I can download it and listen to it
0: thank you for listening to the hoaxbusters call
2: you can subscribe to the podcast at hoaxbusterscall.com
4: Support the Hoaxbusters Call by rating it on iTunes.
0: Sharing it on social media.
2: Fire off a donation at hoaxbusterscall.com.
1: Conspicuous graffiti in public places.
2: Buster's call. Conspiracy
1: Just Theory.
0: Uh, Sebastian, the actor, the best. What's he playing? The President. President. Yes, he took you all in, didn't he? You know something? He's really enjoying the role. So much so, we're going to make the whole thing permanent.
2: All this time, the years we spent in planning, he couldn't afford us. He was so sincere about our cause.
0: Oh, yes, he was sincere. But that's before we saw the view
2: from the top. An actor as president?